is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Here we go. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big Monday, Super Monday. Michael Remus here in the host chair for Hustler. If you've been watching the last week, paying attention to his social media posts, you'll know he is away. So if you wanted to get those hot, uh, those hot response to the Super Bowl, we'll have to wait. Maybe he'll post a video in, in celebration. We'll see. But I'm here looking forward to getting it going. Today I'll be joined shortly by Connor Rabchak. I missed it. The most recent Jets Weekly is on our YouTube channel right here and on our podcast feed as well. So check that out. And uh, Jeff Hamilton joining the show as well from the Free Press CFL Free Agency kicks off tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it's been kicking off for like a week here with this negotiation period. But the real thing tomorrow. So we'll talk with Jeff. About that, Jamie Thomas, Jets TV, and the Ground Control Podcast. So lots to get to. Uh, shout out to the sponsors. You know, without them, I, I don't think we'd be here. Canadian Club, Modern Man, Manitoba Battery, Winnipeg Jets, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Fort Manitoba, and Cool Bet. Of course, hopefully you uh, did okay on your Cool Bets. Yesterday during uh, the Super Bowl, a lot of wagering for that one, but a lot of top big topics today. A lot of big topics today. The Jets snapping their losing streak on the weekend. The Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. How about them Chiefs? Uh, it's three and five years back to back for the first time since first time in 19 years since the Patriots. And a lot of conversation about the appropriate way. To score on an empty net goal, that was Ridley Grieg of the Senators. Uh, didn't do it in the way the Maple Leafs like. So Morgan Riley comes in with the cross check. I did put out a poll. What should we start with today? Uh, and I put those three. We got 132 votes. Shout out to everyone in chat. If you are here, please make sure you hit the thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. We're closing in on 11K subs. We've got 10,949. So uh, according to my math, 51 more till the big 11K. But it's pretty close. 45% want to talk 44% now. Jets snapped the losing streak. 30% want to talk about the Chiefs. 26% want some real spicy hot takes on the appropriate way to score an empty net goal or the appropriate response. So yeah, this is... Winnipeg sports talk. I'm not surprised um, that the Jets snapping. We were all concerned last week. Five games. Hadn't seen that before. But you've seen some other teams slip lately. Colorado. They haven't been so hot. As coming out of the break. Edmonton 16 game win streak. Uh, got snapped. They lost to Vegas. And then they lost to the Dubois Kings on the weekend. And we did have some Jets news after the win. Uh, they placed Dominic Tonanato on waivers. And what would that mean? For today, for practice, let's get to that. Uh, Connor Rabchak, noted 49ers fan. Uh, Connor, everyone's asking, how are you feeling? we we got to check in on you, man. How are you doing over there? 49ers losing in the Super Bowl. Uh, let me look at the score. What was it, 25-22? Yeah. Yeah, that what it overtime, 25-22. Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, not not feeling great. Um, but hey, I, I was on the, the program after the Niners beat the Lions saying, this is why we love sports, the emotional roller coaster. And I can't back out of that take now that I'm on the wrong end of it. So this is still why we love sports is the heartbreak part of it as well. But yeah, t- tough morning for sure. Incredible drama, incredible theater. We'll get to that, but we want to talk Jets. Uh, we do have some waiver wire news. We'll start off with that and uh, today's practice and get to the win on Saturday. Uh, so Dominic Toninato, he was put on waivers. And any updates? Did he clear? I haven't seen a tweet yet from an Elliot Friedman or a Frank Saravalli oh. or a Chris Johnson. I it's yeah, it's one oh seven. What are we? What's going on here? Is there? Oh, here's Scott Billick. At, yeah, Scott, Scott Billick says that he cleared. Uh, okay, Elliot. Does, Elliot doesn't have it. Yeah, why is Elliot so late? What's he been doing? Following this Morgan Scott. Riley hearing? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Scott Billick tweeting. Uh, Tony Nato clears waivers. So a lot of talk. Who's he making room for? Who's he going down for? And uh, David Gustafson today in a regular jersey at Jets practice. Uh, big win for the Jets on Saturday, Connor. I mean, let's go. Big win, 2-1 two, two, over Pittsburgh. How are you feeling about the Jets' play in the win over Pittsburgh? I thought it was good. I mean, Rick Bonus and a lot of fans and a lot of the, the Jets players as well, not happy with the second period. Rick Bonus called it a frustrating period and just kind of left it at that, um, quote-unquote. But I thought they played good enough to win the hockey game. The goal scoring still not really there. The top line we can talk about in a minute here. They only score two goals as a team, but hey, you got to take wins how you can get them. Carter Hellbuck, once again, fantastic. He was the first star of the week on Winnipeg Jets Weekly. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I think it's good for the team, obviously, just to get back in the win column and uh, prove to themselves that this this fluky streak is just that and they can, they can beat a team. And yes, Pittsburgh, second night of a back-to-back, but I thought they played well enough to win and they're they're facing a can't lose uh, on Wednesday night now coming up this week. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Got a, everyone out there for date night. Uh, Valentine's Day against the Sharks on a Wednesday. A couple days off here. Uh, they did practice today. And these appears that these are the lines going forward now. You know, so much talk after the Monahan trade. Oh, got to get him in between Perfetti and Ehlers. But they seem to have gone away from that. You know, you couldn't score for a couple games. And you have the lines now in practices. And this was what they were on Saturday. Connor, Shafley, Ehlers, Perfetti, Monaghan, Velarde, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, Baron, Nemestikov, Ifalo, uh, David Gustafson's back in a regular jersey. He was on IR for a lengthy period of time. Rasmus Kupari. Uh, there are the you know fourth or fifth line guys. Morrissey, DeMello, Sandberg, Bianc, Stanley, Schmidt, and Brennan Dillon. We know he is suspended. And it just seems... You know, they couldn't score, shuffle up the lines. Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, is he here? Is he here to stay now? Lock button on the top line. Uh, I mean, him and Mark Schaefer and Kyle Connor are looking pretty good there on Saturday. I'd hope so. I mean, him and Mark Shifley clearly have chemistry. They they established chemistry when they had their franchise record setting win streak when Kyle Connor was out of the lineup. And now Honestly, on that game on Saturday night, Cal Connor looked like the third wheel on that line. It was Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers doing things in the offensive zone. They obviously had the goal 
um, that got things started. And Nikolai Ehlers was just making plays, um, and that's what he does. And I think the Jets are a better team. They're better off when Nikolai Ehlers is playing more minutes, playing top-line minutes, and playing with Mark Shifley. They're going to score more goals. And the lines needed to change, given the the recent slump. Um, and I liked the move, kind of loading up your top line in a sense. And uh, it clearly worked out because Ehlers and Shifley picked up right where they left off. Yeah, that line combining for 13 shots on goal, 20 attempts, 11 chances and four high danger and Ken Weeb noting that in the Winnipeg free press and you saw I mean Nikolai Ehlers on in that first period some back and forth um a, you know back and forth opportunities there the Jets with a couple odd man rushes you know Shafley tries to sneak the pass over to Morrissey not able to Nikolai Ehlers uh with a chance and just you know kind of gets in his stick and looks like he's about to shoot but then Shafley opens up for the one-timer and blasts it in a, a beautiful-looking uh, play. And I thought Ehlers had some nice you know, passing, setting up Kyle Connor. We know he's got a great shot as well. And so I, I agree. I think Nikolai Ehlers, he's shown that when he's in lineup or he's getting minutes, or sorry, when he's on the ice, he produces at a rate better than just about any other player on the Jets. And they want to score more goals. I think playing him on the ice more... Um, in better situations would be beneficial, and we saw that on Saturday. Connor Hellebuck stepping up as well, 35 saves on 36 shots. You know, that the first was good, third was good, second. What happened there, Connor, in that second period? Outshot 16-7. What do you make of that second period, and what did the team have to say uh, about that after the game? A few penalties, a few uh, momentum killers in that sense. Logan Stanley took a few penalties. Um, but after the game, yeah, Nikolai Ehlers said that without Connor Hellbuck in that period, they don't win the game. They they simply didn't play well enough. Um, I think the penalties that they took kind of disrupted their their like Rick Bonus likes to run four lines and roll his lines. So that disrupts the flow a little bit. Um, and Pittsburgh on the second night of a back to back, maybe finding their legs after the first period in the Jets coming out flat. Um, but it was definitely concerning because they could have easily given up two, three goals, and that would have been the game right there. But Connor Hellebuck, that's why you pay him. That's why he's the best goalie in the world right now. And uh, and they come away with the win despite kind of sleepwalking through that middle frame. Uh, and then I thought the third period was just action-packed, back and forth, chances galore at both ends. Alex follow missed like a glorious chance in the middle of the slot uh, with like three minutes, four minutes left in the third period. Uh, and and Sean Monahan, I mean, he had the the fake clapper on the PK as well that went off the post. But I, the Jets definitely had their chances. They generated more than enough, but gave up a lot as well. But Connor Hellbuck was there as he usually is. Yeah, hey, you know, just like the Chiefs have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, the Jets have a guy like Connor Hellbuck who can certainly uh, shut the door at any time. Yeah, I mentioned Nino Niederreiter, fifteen game goalless streak uh, that was snapped with you know. Hey, he's in the right spot. The puck squeaks out, and he just puts it behind uh, Tristan Jari, who got the start after it was Ned on Friday for Pittsburgh. And, you know, an emotional game there Friday for Pittsburgh in Minnesota against Marc-Andre Fleury. And uh, the Jets catching him on the second end of a back-to-back. And it happens pretty often. They go to Minnesota and then uh, and then come here. A lot of talk. On this show and around about the seventh or sorry, sixth uh, defenseman who's filling in for Brendan Dillon, Logan Stanley in his second game 
Uh, there's a lot going on with Logan Stanley in the game. He was on for, I think he was on for all, all of the goals. And he's also in the penalty box a bit. I mean, what do you make of Logan Stanley? And uh, Scott O'Neill did say after the suspension, he's going to get three games. And I think some people thought maybe Billy Hainala would get a call up. But no, it was, uh, no, it was Dave Gustafson uh, who did get activated. So what do you make? Are we making too much of this uh, sixth defenseman discussion? And what do you think of Logan Stanley's game here? Uh, I'll answer that by saying yes and then getting into the discussion. Um, but oh, yes, here, one, spending... one sec. I screwed something up before you get into okay. it. Okay. Sure. Uh, here, hold on. Hold on. Uh, okay, yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, Logan Stanley. Um, the, the quintessential Logan Stanley game, he, he takes a few penalties. Uh, the Jets... Uh, Twitter like fans are going nuts about how bad he's playing and then there's those hockey stat cards that get put out on, on like game score composition and he was like the number one jet in game score which is just hilarious because um, for three hours people on Twitter were um, like just slamming him for for playing bad but I thought I, I don't think he was the best jet um, I also don't think he was the worst jet like most people would say but the penalties definitely did play a huge factor um, the, the pairing of Stanley and Schmidt got scored on um, like you said, he was on for the goals that the Jets scored as well. He even picked up a secondary assist on Nino Niederreiters. Um, but again, he's the the sixth, seventh defenseman. So how much is this really going to matter come playoff time down the stretch? I'm not really sure, but he hasn't played in over a month. And uh, this was just his second game back. So I, I know it's kind of making a lot of excuses for him, but I thought he played okay. Um, the penalties Rick Bonus definitely wasn't happy about. Uh, and going forward, he's got one more game here until Brendan Dillon comes back and he he goes back to being the seventh defenseman. No one no one really expected Logan Stanley to come in and, and win a job over someone. Um, he's just kind of filling in for Brendan Dillon in the meantime, and that's that's what he's doing. Yeah, him and uh, Sean Monahan, Rick Bo- Bonus touched on both of them. I'm going to play that clip in a second, but Monahan's still searching for that elusive first point as a Winnipeg Jet and Almost had it there with the shorthanded fake clapper uh, shot. Hit iron. Would have been, I'm sure it would have erupted. We learned his goal song, Hustle, by Kendrick Lamar. Humble. Or Humble, Humble, sorry. Humble. My bad, my bad. Sorry, I thought it was, uh, I was gonna, we thought it was going to be Moni Moni by Billy Idol. Who yeah. was featured in a Super Bowl commercial yesterday, but no. Uh, was it Humble? Sorry, my... Humble. My, Humble. I got, I'm thinking about Hustler here, and I said yeah. Hustle. I'm thinking about how I'm in the chair and Hustler's away if you're just uh, tuning in, <laughs> but uh, you know, Bonnet got switched around there at the end. Um, what do you make of uh, the line changes? But he was back with Perfetti and Velarde, so what do you make of Monaghan? Is he settling in here with the Winnipeg Jets after a couple games? Yeah, I think he's looked better with every game. I really did like the line of Perfetti, Monaghan, Velarde. And a lot of people pointed out, and they're right, that those seem to be like three of the slowest skaters in terms of foot speed or maybe straight line speed that the Jets have up front. But I thought that kind of worked to their advantage. They're all moving at the same speed. They're working the puck down low. Perfetti made a few gorgeous passes. And I thought that line really worked. But yeah, Rick Bonus at the end made a switch there. Monaghan was in between Ayafalo and Nemesikov. And Perfetti, Velarde, and Barron all kind of got the the short end of a of a bench shortening by Rick Bonus. Then they got a power play, so those players went out for the power play. But 
that'll be interesting to see if if bonus continues to do that going forward um he alluded to that line being like a good shutdown line and if you know two one games happen a lot and will the jets go to that they kept the lowry line intact they kept the shifley line intact and then their third line or second line quote unquote was monahan ayafalo and Ameskov. three defensively responsible players um, but yeah, to answer the question, Sean Monahan, I think he's been better with every single game. He's building chemistry and uh, it's only a matter of time before he, he gets some points. He gets some goals here. He's coming really close. Yeah. And he's also, uh, you know, been huge and very trustworthy uh, in the face-off circle, which is uh, part of the reason why they brought him in. But you know, let's get to some Rick bonus. We've talked about our thoughts. Uh, here's Rick bonus weighing on the play of Sean Monahan and Logan Stanley, who we just talked about. He's a smart player, and he's very reliable defensively. So he's going to be uh, going to use them. You get a two-one lead, and they're coming, and just um, yeah, that's, you get all the. They're all reliable players, right? So that was a good line for us. Um, and then uh, Logan Stanley, his second game back after a long break. Uh, how is he at in terms? Of he's been, listen. Logan's been good, considering what we've done to him and only playing him as. The, the number of games we've played, uh, Logan has done very well. We're very happy with what he's he's done. There's Rick Bonus there on Saturday, and you know, we mentioned Nino Niederreiter scoring his first goal in 15 games, and uh, Rick Bonus touched on that line and their play on Saturday. If you look at the game in Philly, that, that line had four or five great chances to score. It just wasn't going in. We we met with them this morning and just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get some breaks. It's going to go in. Oh, okay. Everything all right at home? Everything good? <laughs> Do you need to answer that? <laughs> oh, you're good. Okay. Uh, that line was, they've been very good. And you saw them tonight. They are very we needed to get that third period off on the right foot, and they did it. They got out, they got the puck deep, and they got the forecheck going. So they did their job, and it's nice to see them finally get rewarded for a goal. Nice to see him get rewarded after Samuel Urson uh, almost got his second shutout against the Jets on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. And last one from Bonus. We talked about the top line. Here's Rick Bonus weighing in. On the Connor Shifley Ehlers line. Oh, they were flying. Look, again, look at the chant. We were walking in all alone, breakaways, two on ones right off the bat. Um, so the winds got to help us, and eventually those pucks, they're, they're, those pucks will start going in for us. There it is, Rick Bonus after the game Saturday. We hope to have some comments from today's practice. Um, you know, today's Jets practice that happened, but started at 11 and ended probably around noon. So we'll have that for you then. But they went with back to the same lines. David Gustafson activated. And I don't know, I guess that's about it for the Jets as they get ready for San Jose on, what, Wednesday. And they'll be without, actually, big news from San Jose, they'll be without Tomas Hurdle undergoing a procedure. So that's. We can close the book on our Jets discussion for now. We'll get uh, Jamie Thomas in later, but I think, you know, our next, we did the poll at the beginning of the show. What do you want to hear? Connor's super time for the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, I have to say, I mean, an epic, I mean, one of the be- best games that we've seen in a while. I mean, the first, the first, sorry, the first half, not great, but um, all in all, 
that was one to remember, I'm sure. Oh, I got you muted there. Sorry. Okay. There you go. I said, uh, I'll remember it, but not in the way that people, uh, other people will. Um, it's going to stick with me in, in a bad way. But yeah, I mean, looking at it from an outside perspective, incredible game. I mean, you get overtime in the Super Bowl with the new rules. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, the fourth quarter was back and forth, both teams scoring. And uh, yeah, Brock Purdy kind of lived up to the moment, in my opinion. Like he, I thought he played great especially given all the criticism coming into this week. Uh, but yeah, Patrick Mahomes gets the job done. Um, and uh, I, I want to get your your quick thoughts on this. There was an article in The Athletic on the the call of the final touchdown and how they butchered it. Like it was Jim Nance, Tony Romo. Oh, yeah. And Nance calls like Kansas City's hit the jackpot and they're going back to back or whatever. Which, and then Romo just goes on for like 30, 40 seconds on like the play call or something. Yeah. And there was this whole article about how they should have just let it be, let the moment present itself, let the crowd go nuts. Um, what were, what were, like, were you kind of like shocked at the way they handled the, the game-winning touchdown? You know, a lot of criticism about Tony Romo all year saying, well, I don't know, Jim, over and over. <laughs> and he's made some like weird comments. I actually enjoyed Tony Romo for most of the game. I thought he was had good, you know, solid analysis, stayed away from uh, some of the cliches and but yeah, at the end, I read that. That was Andrew Marshan in The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan of his podcast as well. And uh, he's critical about guys saying this is the biggest game of the year. There's 100 million people. I haven't seen the actual numbers. I'm sure 100 million people or something watching. You got to let that moment breathe. And Tony Roma did step over uh, Jim, Nance, uh, Jim Nance a little there. But I think it's hard mm-hmm. to talk about this Super Bowl, uh, Connor, without talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and witnessing greatness uh 25-22 win for Kansas City the Chiefs third Super Bowl win in 5 seasons uh it's official their dynasty dynasty uh, Mahomes uh cementing his legacy and he's already a Hall of Famer third Super Bowl MVP uh connecting with Michael Hardman who started the season with the Jets before being brought back uh, to the Chiefs mid-season what a start to Mahomes in his career Six seasons, he hasn't finished worse than the AFC Championship game. First half, uh, one to forget. Sluggish start, zero points in the first quarter. You know, they had fumbles, turnovers. Uh, Mahomes, I was surprised they even sacked him. The only TD pass in the first half thrown by receiver, Jawan Jennings, and a caught by a running back, Christian McCaffrey. We had Jake Moody setting a Super Bowl record for 55-yard field goal. Only be broken later by Harrison Butker, who may could have been who's MVP candidate. Both kickers, incredible, and you know, uh, leading ten three. The you know at the half, the 49ers were able to hold the Chiefs' offense in check and limit their explosiveness. And I really thought they would be able to. And the Chiefs struggled to put up points all year. The receivers, you know, inconsistent. A lot of drops. Didn't have uh, too many drops yesterday. I think there was one big one by Watson. Uh, but coming to the game, I mean, you were confident, Connor, as a 49ers fan, oh, coming yeah. to the game, confident in the defense. And the offense, even though they got smoked in that game against Baltimore, they were favored by two points, stayed there for for two weeks. So I don't know how, how you were feeling coming into the game and at the half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was confident coming in and at halftime feeling great. That muffed punt uh, that gave the Chiefs Great field position where they just threw a touchdown the very next play. That I think was the the turning point for sure. 
Um, you just can't have special teams mistakes like that. Um, you brought up Jawan Jennings throwing the touchdown pass. If the Niners, they go up 19-16 with like a minute 40 left, and then the Chiefs go down and tie it, and we head to overtime. That's, but if they had stopped them 19-16 to 16 with two minutes left, is Jawan Jennings the MVP? for the 49ers like he threw a touchdown pass and then he caught the touchdown pass uh, in the fourth quarter I think he was the second player ever to both throw and catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl so I don't know if he ends up winning the MVP because Brock Purdy didn't even throw a touchdown pass um, or I guess he threw the, the he one threw to Jawan Jennings but yeah. Jawan Jennings had a, a passing touchdown as well so I maybe it's Christian McCaffrey who caught the touchdown and had uh, a ton of yards but I uh, the MVP if the Niners had won would have been an interesting discussion because you had a receiver throw and catch a touchdown. Yeah, uh, second person ever you mentioned Nick Foles uh, was the other one, and I still can't believe that he led uh, the Eagles to that Super Bowl win over the Patriots. Almost reminds me I compared Cody Fajardo's game-winning drive against the Bombers to to when Nick Foles did uh, for the Eagles, but you know for all the star power on San Francisco, you have McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Kittle. And Ayuk, they really did nothing on defense. Uh, Nick Bosa couldn't match Patrick Mahomes' greatness. Um, you know, they come out of the half t- leading 10-3, and they were in great field position. Patrick Mahomes threw a rare interception. He's been nearly perfect in the playoffs. They had great field position on the Kansas City 44, but the third quarter was a quarter to forget for the San Francisco offense. Uh, the first drive, incomplete pass. You had a false start to another incomplete pass. So. You're not gaining yards. You're not taking time off the clock. And then, you know, Purdy has a four-yard rush on third and 15. So you have to punt after getting great field position. And the defense stepped up in the third quarter. Casey had another three and out. What did San Francisco do? Another three and out on their own. And they didn't even hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, they finally figured out in the fourth quarter, you know, that they needed to give him the ball and overtime as well. But uh, Casey marched down, they scored a field goal, making it 10-6. And what does San Francisco do again to answer? Another three-and-out. Three straight three-and-outs to start the third quarter. And as you mentioned, that's where the game changed. The defense did their job. They held Casey to another three-and-out. But on the punt, uh, the ball hit the leg of a 49ers player. And Chris Conley saw it and attempted to pick it up. But he wasn't able to hold on to the ball. And I'm watching this game. I'm like, dude, why are you trying to pick it up? What are you doing there? But no, it hit a guy's hit a guy's leg. You saw him pointing, saying, "Hey, get out of the way, get out of the way," and that was that was kind of the play. And then, uh, yeah, Mahomes to MVS, bang bang, first play, first lead of the game. And you know, after that third quarter, we got into the fourth quarter. Uh, excellent, turned into like one of a, a boring Super Bowl into one of the greatest finishes ever. Um, the 49ers answered back with the TD of their own. Purdy four, leading them on a 14-play drive, which included that fourth down conversion to George Kittle. Where was that? The 15? And yes, Jawan Jennings became the second player in his Super Bowl history, a passing TD and a, recept- and a receiving TD. But that blocked extra point yes. uh, was, was huge, man. I mean, I don't want to say change the game, but if they're up four there, it's... Then, the the yeah. points that you need to get are certainly different. Yeah, and the Chiefs went down the field and had uh, nine seconds left with two plays at the end zone. Like, they were around the red zone. And, uh, yeah, they, they threw a back shoulder to Kelsey. It was incomplete. Six seconds left, down three. They kick a field goal. We go to overtime. 
But had that extra point not been blocked, that's a four point game. They got to get a touchdown. So um, definitely the the mix, the blocked extra point, excuse me, and the the muff on the punt return just absolutely destroyed. Uh, so special teams, special teams, just because uh, again, I thought Brock Purdy played great. I thought Christian McCaffrey played great. I thought the defense for the 49ers played great. And uh, somehow they they lost the game. Special teams, man. They they matter. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, they traded field goals there. And you could have made argument for either kicker, Moody or Butker, uh, to be MVP. And I actually thought Casey was going to end it there in regulation. But shout out, man, the San Francisco defense was good. I mean, you said, hey, you're going to hold them to 19 points in regulation. This... This uh, San Francisco offense should be able to score 20, uh, but they were not. And credit to the Chiefs defense for blitzing, putting pressure on Purdy. And we're going to overtime. This is pretty key about overtime. So Lindsey Jones of The Ringer uh, reporting that Atlanta really not sure about the rules. And I don't know about you. I didn't. I actually, they didn't really say on the bright. They're like, yeah, we got new rules. And they didn't really (laughs) explain them, but... Um, yeah, they won the Atlanta won the to- coin toss, got the ball, and you know you thought you didn't really know what I you didn't really know what the rules were because it used to be you could just get the ball and score a touchdown and win, right. but not the case this time. And it, I think it was pretty clear there was an advantage for the for the Chiefs who were basically in four down territory uh, the whole time. And you know what San Francisco can't score and they get the field goal and the Chiefs go down. Mahomes perfect all the way. Uh, yeah. to Hardman. Sorry to relive this one. Yeah, for you, Connor. yeah I we're, mean, we're rolling full, back through. Full it. credit, yeah. full credit to the Chiefs on that one. Oh yeah, for sure. And the the overtime rules now: both teams get the ball, and uh, you got to score a touchdown, and then the the other team gets another shot to score and match it, and then it becomes sudden death, which it was before. Um, if you scored a touchdown, you would win, but obviously now they have changed that, and the Niners. Like I said, they had that two-minute drill on defense where they went all the way down the field. So Kyle Shanahan wanted to give his defense a rest, took the ball um, under a bit of scrutiny for taking the ball, but I don't hate it. Like your defense was just out there for two minutes and uh, they clearly needed a rest. So I, I didn't mind that call. But yeah, Mahomes is going to be perfect on the game-winning drive. You're going you're gonna to lose. So Patrick Mahomes cementing his legacy once again at the, the hands of the 49ers. Yeah, incredible, historic finish. Connor's a great talk. He'll bring you on at the end. We can talk about uh, the appropriate way to score on an empty net goal. Yes, uh, right. We'll get, appreciate you <laughs> coming on. Check out Jets Weekly on our YouTube channel and podcast. There's Connor Ravjack. We're going to bring in Jamie Thomas, Jets TV, Ground Control Podcast. Hey, gang, if you want to clean it up a little bit and get looking good, uh, you got to head over to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops with eight locations conveniently located throughout Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery as well. Donnie and the gang getting set to open up later this month their second Winnipeg location on Dover Court over in the south side of Manitoba, which means 
Folks in the south end will have an even easier time popping by Manitoba Battery. But as we've been telling you on Winnipeg Sports Talk, you really don't need to leave your home because not only will you shop local and get the lowest prices in town, bottom line, beating the pants off the big box stores, Manitoba Battery will deliver your batteries to you anywhere inside the perimeter for free with any purchase over $60. It's just that easy. Stay tuned for grand opening details and sales specials. But in the meantime, for all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 204-783-8787. We are, of course, counting down the days to February 29th when we're looking forward to teaming up with our great friends and sponsors at Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival to uh, take over the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame for the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass event. And, of course, watch the Jets take on the Dallas Stars. Uh, The event is sold out thanks to everyone that uh, is going to come and see us. We can't wait to see you that night as well. In the meantime, for more uh, information on the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, check it out online. And when you're at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, make sure to check out the Canadian Club display for all of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And remember, always enjoy responsibly. And uh, hey, I should also give a shout out to uh, the gang down at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. You know, they're getting ready for a big, big summer of 2024. If you are looking for an incredible fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot featuring world-class fishing. And as great as the fishing is, the hospitality of the Turen family and the Aikens team is even better. Find out more about availability and booking for 2024 at and Be sure to check them out online on X and Instagram at Aikens Lake. All right, there's Hustler uh, with the ads. Thank you, Hustler. He'll be back. He's in Mexico celebrating the Chiefs. When, but uh, we'll continue some Super Bowl talk. How could we not? I uh, got to bring in Jamie Tom. We'll get to some Jets as well. Jamie, welcome back to the program. Great to have you on. Uh, appreciate Thank it. You. What's going on? How was your? I know you're a big football guy, Jamie. What's your big uh, Super Bowl party? What you got going on last night? Oh, oh, like totally lame, man. I have nothing like with Hustler and his life. Is like exactly what you dream of having, and at at, a, at at his age, like I would love to be in Mexico right now celebrating my team's <laughs> Super Bowl win. However, that is not the case. I am at home with my three kids, my dog, my cat, and my wife, and uh, you know, alcohol free. Uh, just some pizza last night. Watched the game. Listened to my wife rant on about Taylor Swift uh, quite a bit, which I don't blame her. Um, but I I do find this fascinating. Remus is Jim Nance was on the Dan Patrick show and he talked about in the three and a half hour broadcast that we for the AFC championship game. He said in the three and a half hour broadcast, Taylor Swift was on a total of 44 seconds. So in the whole scheme of things, is it that terrible? No. And we saw a whole lot of Giselle. I, so I'm not into the, Oh, Taylor Swift is ruining football and stuff like that. However, I will say this great game, but is lost in the shuffle is the free pass that Travis Kelsey is getting for running into his coach. Like the, and all I've heard and read is, Oh, it's the passion part. Passion. He's a passionate player. If a coach grabs onto a player nowadays, and we've seen this in the social media outrage, if a coach grabs onto a player professional or not, 
there's an outrage. You can't touch a player. You can't uh, treat a player like that. Travis Kelsey gets a free pass, A, because they won the Super Bowl, B, made a big catch in overtime, and C, he's Travis Kelsey. So I know Andy Reid's not going to address it because that's the, that's the wrong time to do it. You're the coach. Travis Kelsey is the right thing. You're not going to bring this up as a winning football team. I'm sure they're going to have a conversation. I was talking with Kelly Moore today with CJOB. Clearly, those two are going to have a conversation. But the free pass that Travis Kelsey is getting today and down the stretch here about running into his coach because he's not happy about being on the field and it's because he's a passionate player and wants to win, that doesn't fly for me. So it's it's fascinating to watch today and read the lack of accountability that Travis Kelsey has to have in this situation for running into his coach. And I can't wait to talk to a sober hustler about this whole conversation about what happened here because I know he's not going to be logical right now, but that is unacceptable on all kinds of levels the fact that he's just getting a free pass to me and his behavior. It's not its not tolerable. It's not okay. And I don't think I'm a passionate guy and I want to win. It's, if, if you run into Hustler today, if you bump him and you're not happy about your airtime, do you have a job tomorrow? Probably not, right? So it's just, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, we've seen you lose the laptop, all that stuff. You had a job the next day, but you did not yeah. run into Hustler and like because you're mad about your airtime. So the, here... It's so stupid that because Travis Kelsey's a star player and then he gets this free pass. I don't get it. I, like, listen, I got to know that the New England Patriots for their long streak, it's, it is jealousy. You're sick and tired of seeing them. But the Kansas City Chiefs, we were sick and tired of seeing them win. And this is going to keep happening until somebody beats them. But you have to respect what they're doing. So the only thing I have, the only problem I have about the whole thing yesterday is Travis Kelsey and the free pass. But I do have to respect what Kansas city has done here. And I think you can flat out say they're a dynasty because of the way football is today and how challenging it is to win. And I think ahead now to this upcoming draft, apparently in 2025, there's not exactly a great crop of quarterbacks coming out. So this draft coming up with Caleb Williams, Greg may, you know, I, Michael Penix, I go down the list of these guys, there should be teams falling all over themselves right now to go get one of these quarterbacks because you're not going to be, the Chiefs until you have somebody of the ability or somebody that's going to win you games when it matters most the way that Patrick Mahomes has done so. Because we have to keep in mind, I look at Nick Bosa. He had 10 quarterback pressures yesterday like that. And the fact that he could not get to Patrick Mahomes because of his incredible ability to evade pressure and make big plays when it matters most, it just says everything you need to know about how special of a player he is. Should we be putting him in the GOAT conversation? Absolutely not, because really? there's a long way to go to that. It's, I do not, it, it's great to see what he's doing, but until we're going, oh, this is Patrick Mahomes' opportunity to win his sixth Super Bowl, then we can start talking about the GOAT, because I still feel that Joe Montana is ahead of Patrick Mahomes right now, and clearly Tom Brady is ahead of everybody. So please reassess this. At the sixth Super Bowl championship, then we can talk about the GOAT for Patrick Mahomes. Wow. I mean, he's had an incredible first uh, six seasons, three 100%. Super Bowls, three MVPs. Yeah. His mm -hmm. numbers, yes. incredible. And, yes. you know, I picked, yes. I didn't know, I kind of wavered on who I was going to pick, but I did pick San Francisco. Um, just the Chiefs, yeah, their offense too. hadn't been, the Chiefs' offense, I mean, hadn't been great. And it seemed like they could take advantage of them and San Francisco. You know, made a couple key uh, mistakes, and 
I mean, if there's one guy who scares you with the ball in the last two minutes or in Mm -hmm. overtime, it's Mahomes. And uh, Brock Purdy played played solid, but on third down, San Francisco, uh, they stank. And yeah, the three and outs. But that's all on can Yeah, the Kansas City's defense though. Like, yeah. like that defense on that on that on their first drive, their only drive of overtime, of course. The pressure that came uh, on Purdy on third down, was, there was no way in hell he was getting that pass off. Like there was just there was, they could not combat when the pressure came. They had no answer for it. So uh, I have to give the Chiefs defense full credit because that defense allowed Kansas City's offense to get in order here. And it hasn't been, it wasn't as dominant a year for Patrick Mahomes as it has been in years past. They won that Super Bowl because of their defense and a great drive at the end of the football game uh, in overtime. So we, you know, a lot is going to be made of how the 49ers didn't know the rules of overtime, how they're, how, how could that happen? But you have to stop taking things away from what Kansas city did. They came through when it mattered the most and you have to respect that. And they, didn't allow San Francisco to score a touchdown on their first drive and their only drive of overtime. Flat out, Kansas City won that championship. San Francisco did not lose it. Yeah, and give a shout out to Big Harrison Butker, too, MVP yes. candidate. We got to get a kicker as MVP. We almost saw with Sergio Castillo here, actually, a couple a couple years ago, but uh, Butker actually yeah. uh, destroyed me in uh, fantasy. I think Jeff had him and he beat me in the playoffs. So, uh, nice. Buddy. They are the kickers are the most frustrating thing of fantasy sports. Period. Like you, yeah. unless you have two of the kickers in fantasy football, you will be grasping at straws week over week, trying to decide what they're going to do for you because you cannot predict it. It's impossible. They will lose you championships. They will lose you games <laughs> nine times out of ten. I respect what they do for a living. It's hard to do, but fantasy wise, I can't stand kickers. Period. Great people though. Great guys. Yes. Yeah. Just don't rely on them to win your fantasy championships. Yeah, there's a lot of hoopla with the Super Bowl. I mean, we talk about the game, but who cares about the mm-hmm. game? I care about celebrity watching. I care yeah. about um, the anthem length, how many times they're yeah. going to show Taylor Swift, the halftime show. But one thing, we're missing out here on the commercials, oh. Jamie. It is oh. horrible. What are we going to do? Un- I see everyone tweeting about the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Oh, like, and it was such a good commercial. We don't it's get... Su- it is... Like that is the best commercial that I saw yesterday. I've only seen three, so I guess that's not really fair because I don't have a big, big population to work with. But it's unbearable to watch. And I remember talking to an agent a long time ago. He was uh, he had a high profile figure skater. He talked about the lack of uh, commercial opportunities in our country. Right? There's just not a lot of ways to do this. And I don't sign the checks. I understand that Bell has to do what they have to do to with their sponsors and stuff like that. But it, you know what's going on. If we didn't know there was these great commercials going on if and all this stuff, you're not as bothered by it. But it's just we're seeing the exact same commercial over and over and over again, and they're not even that good. And then we know that somebody else is getting something better. So th- that that's the, that's the tough part. They'll never have an answer to this because you can't, because you have, as CTV has to make their money some way, and it's a big opportunity sponsorship-wise and, and, and the like like that. So we're not going to have that opportunity. So we're just going to sit there staring at our screens, hoping for something interesting this year, and it's not going to happen. We have to look at social media to find what those are out. So uh, we're, we're going to continue to be frustrated by that, but it, it, it's awful. I don't care what happens. It's just it's so painful to sit there and watch uh, in between breaks. You may as well just go on 17 commercial 
bathroom breaks, take up drinking again or something. I don't know, but um, it's 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 tough to watch. We get some of them. I saw Billy Idol, and what, yeah, and then but I mean, how many times do we need this Eugene Levy commercial yeah. with his son? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, keep, can, the CanCon commercial. How much do we need that? Like, well, at least we didn't get Connor Bedard that nonsensical commercial mm-hmm. where his sister doesn't know. That he's in Chicago. Maybe yeah. the worst, worst written commercial of all time. That one. I do like the Kachuk, we, this Kachuk one. But, but that's, yeah, we, we, we see them all the time, Remus. That's the problem. So they're not fresh to us. And, we, and when it becomes the 30th time in the broadcast, we're going to show some frustration, especially if we're losing money on the Super Bowl somewhere. We're going to take it out in the commercials and the fact that it's not, you know, it's just, it's not entertaining. And the whole purpose and fun of Super Bowl Sunday is, did you see that commercial? Yes. We don't get that opportunity to say that. We have to like search around somehow to find for it later and watch the best of the Super Bowl commercials at the at the end of the game. Yeah, I did. We did get the Michael Sarah Sarah V commercial, which I like. Yeah. Great, great cream. That's always pick it up yeah. at Costco. Jamie really helps with it, the dry well, skin. It's it's very dry here in yeah, Manitoba, it's, so that that's really stuff, dry. So that. That works for me. That that's, that's I ran down to Shoppers Drug Mart. I got some of that cream, and my gosh, I feel younger. That's why I look so young today. Thankfully, took us that commercial that I saw yesterday. So it does work. Commercials do work. They one hundred percent work. Uh, of course they do. So yeah, yeah. that's the whole purpose. Show it to us a bunch of times. You know what? I do need that stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're missing out on that. But hey, and as far as parties, yes. Jamie, I'm I used to have. You know, with my friends when I was younger, you'd have huge parties, get together, everyone's making Mm -hmm. food, and now we're all older, we have kids, (laughs) tried, invited one of my friends over with his two kids, you know, by, after an hour, all the kids are are crying, they can't share the the toys, we had to call call it, so maybe we'd all get older, but... So we did the poll. Well, when they're older, I'll tell you this, buddy. When they get older, like I did the Super Bowl prop bet yesterday, but I have a 10-year-old, and she doesn't take losing for anything. So I just, yeah. like, gave her the $20. My son's like, no, she didn't say she didn't say Kansas City's going to win. I'm like, yes, she did. Yeah. Yes, she did. We're just going to leave this alone. So we're not going to – because if I would have said my oldest kid won it, she would have lost it, and I would way rather deal with my teenage kids than the 10-year-old. Losing her mind over twenty bucks. So yeah, you have daughters. You find your daughters got more into it because of Taylor Swift. Uh, they care. Listen, my two older kids don't care at all. Like they, they get my my middle kid, Evania. She kind of gets rolls her eyes when her mom goes off about Taylor Swift and stuff like that because she's kind of a Swifty. And then my youngest talks about how the other grade five class is a bunch of Swifties, and she's like, ugh. Only because she probably hears her, us complaining about Taylor Swift all the time, but um, yeah, it's the the two older kids could care less about sports, which is fascinating. That I do what I do, and they just don't care. So the, the, the last kid, the the last the last kid is my only hope. She's like plays soccer, and I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm when it comes to her because there's clear favoritism going on because she actually has an excitement, like actually likes sports. So uh, I have to pretend my academically smart children matter as much as my athletic child. So you wait till that happens to you. You have to make decisions. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. But yeah. Yeah. Talking about the Super Bowl, you are with jets TV, Jamie and the yes. ground, the yes. ground control podcast. So 
Mm-hmm. What's going on at Jets practice today? How was how was the big practice? Gus in a regular jersey? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, th- there was conversation afterwards um, about the future of Michael, uh, David Gustafson, if he's going to go down the moose or not. Those conversations will be had. Clearly, the move made with Don McTonionato was to make space for David Gustafson, who's been on IR for a significant amount of time, but a normal jersey, but an extra forward, right? So decisions have to be made down the road here. But today was, there was, you know, you have a day off yesterday. It was like about a 65, 70-minute practice today, and uh, all the lines still the same from the weekend. Um, Gabriel Velarde, of course, with uh, Sean Monaghan and Cole Perfetti on the second line, although Bones went away from that a little bit in an effort to hold on to that one-goal lead. But the main conversation was about how well – they played defensively in the first and third. We all know what happened in the second period. It wasn't uh, textbooked. Um, you know, Rick Bonus expressed frustration about the second period, but didn't really get into it a lot. But the Jets seemed to be shooting themselves in the foot quite a bit. But that all being said, they played a lot. They were really good in the first period, a lot better in the third period. So there's some good signs going on here. And I read an article today from Peter King. He said that, Andy Reid texted the head coach of the Vegas Raiders after they got pounded by the Raiders, thanking him for the loss because it woke the players up. So maybe this five-game stretch that the Jets just had, kind of a wake-up call is what this is what happens when you get away from the structure that they had. And even in the game itself on Saturday, look what happened in the first and third when you play within structure. You own the Penguins. You get away from it. You get yourself in trouble and your goaltender has to bail you out like Connor Hellebuck did on Saturday. So there's a lot of lessons learned in that Penguins game on Saturday. I think we're going to see a more consistent Winnipeg Jet hockey team going forward. But what now has to happen, in my opinion, is you've had Mark Shifley back for a little bit. And he's getting back into the fold of things. That top line was very dynamic on Saturday. You want to see more of that. But the second line's got to get going. And Rick Bonus addressed that today. They have to find some way where Sean, you know, Sean Monahan clearly getting used to the system that he's in. You have to get Cole Perfetti going. You got to get Gabriel Velarde going. Flat out, period. Whatever that looks like in the top six. Um, but it, I think that's just a matter of time. But uh, on Saturday, buddy, when Mo- Sean Monaghan went in on that shorthanded breakaway, fakes the slap shot and hits and, and hits iron, I thought the roof, the roof would have came off the building if he would have scored there. Like that's the addition. I think we're at the point now where it, you, in the short time frame that Monaghan has been here with the Jets, you see everything what the Jets were hoping for, you're getting that. Sure, the points aren't there. Face-offs, how smart he is. He knows where to go in such a short time in a new system. I think it's just a matter of time for that second line starts producing, and that's only a good thing because you have a great third line. You have a fourth line that a lot of teams would love to have uh, across the league. And uh, Brendan Dillon's coming back soon after this one as well. Full credit to Logan Stanley of how well he's played after being out since December. Yeah, Logan Stanley grabbing the assist. And how about yep. Nikolai Ehlers? You know, is this, you think this is going to be the top line for the foreseeable future? They played so well when Connor was out, Shifley and Ehlers. It yep. seems like where we have we said, hey, we're sticking with these two guys as a pair together. Yeah, I, I think so. But I think it also ties into they have to get the second line going. So, however that looks, Kyle Connor going on the second line, Nikolai Ehlers going on the second line, it's hard to say at this point. But you have a great sample, a great, you know, example of, when you have two fast players, dynamic players like Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, and you put a very highly intelligent center between them and Mark Shifley, this is what happens, right? You you have to stick with this this trio 
um, for the foreseeable future because they keep proving over and over again that they're going to provide you offense uh, unless the second line can't get going because you're going to have to make a decision at that point. But for the time being, I agree with you, Remus. you got to stay with this group. They're so fun to watch. They're dangerous. They cause problems in the offensive end through the neutral zone because of the speed they come at you with. So I, I just think Rick Bonus has no choice but to stay with them until proven otherwise, right? So, but it's very important that second line gets going. But again, just a little bit earlier, just a matter of time, I think, before that starts to get going here. And they're playing San Jose on Wednesday. Mm. And I'm looking at the standings. Games. I'm looking at the standings, Jamie. Go, I yeah. hit, go to NHL.com, hit yeah. league, sword yeah. point points, scroll down to the very wall there. Oh, the way to go down. So yeah. You, see them. you think... Who's starting goal? You think they'll still ride with Hellebuck here Wednesday or any indication if they, it's a Brossois game? Well, I think because you would go a week between starts, that's not, I don't think that's viable. I think for Connor Hellebuck, you play Saturday against Pittsburgh, you, you get, you, I think with the, it was around five days, the longest you want to go with Connor Hellebuck. So I don't think there's any doubt that you, you go with Connor Hellebuck on Wednesday and then back to him again on, against the um, Vancouver Canucks on Saturday on the, on the West Coast. That's just me. I could be proven wrong, but either way, um, you, you don't have an issue there either way. But I still think it's, it's too long of a time between starts for Connor Hellebuck to ask him to go up against the best team in the National Hockey League after not starting for a week. So that's just me. It will likely be Helia on, on Wednesday. Yeah, here, let's look at the schedule here coming up. Woo! Yeah, favorable. Nice, nice lull here. Jamie, yeah. you got two days off. You got today, tomorrow. Nice 6 30 yep. start Wednesday. Saturday, big 9 p.m., but then the back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, Calgary and Minnesota. So maybe Brossois gets the second Calgary. game. The Minnesota, or that's or here maybe. in the Minnesota game. That's a that's a week yeah, tomorrow. So, yeah, so I think you're looking at you're looking at Hellebuck, Hellebuck, Brossois, Hellebuck. Just a guess. You think they put Hellebuck in for that big rivalry game, Feb 20? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. So wherever Minnesota is, I just think that's how that's how you go, right? So um, I've been proven wrong before, but that's just the way I, I see the shaking out. Yeah, I've heard. Doesn't Hellbuck love the afternoon games? And then they go with the second guy at the second game. Loves them, but it depends how. Like, listen, it depends how busy. I, I still think you'd want Connor Hellbuck in net for that game against Minnesota on hot mice, but call me crazy. Well, you this, also like this. This, this February is so easy, like schedule wise, because March is going to be a gauntlet. And this this schedule, I feel you have to take advantage of because you have some pretty good teams and mixed in there and then some really bad ones. And that those are the games you have to take care of, especially with the way Dallas and Colorado keep coming up with wins and important that you want to stay in the hunt for first place. As I see, look at Jeff Hamilton coming to the corner of my screen here. Guy looks good. He's got his beard nicely done. He's just putting his headphones. Is this... <laughs> Is this is this like the music on the Oscars, Remus? When I see Jeff Hamilton no. pop in the corner of the screen, that my time is up. Is that what I well, usually go with? I mean, we're we're winding it down, so yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, Jeff's yeah. Com- I feel like it. Jeff's coming. The music's up. coming in. The music's coming in. I don't have, like, oh, have I don't next. have music, but I guess it's. Com- <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the schedule. They got two days off here, two yeah. days off after the Sharks game, two days off after the Minnesota game, and you fast forward to March. And it's something ridiculous, it's isn't it? Oh, there's a, it's, it's a gauntlet. It get, oh, it gets crazy. It's every second day. Yeah. It's every, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's wild. We're not going to have these conversations about Super Bowl commercials. We won't have time, Remus. There just won't be enough time no. to talk about those things in March. Well, 
We can revisit that again in the future, Jamie. But I had to get sure you can, on. Buddy. I know you're a big NFL guy. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry about your Dolphins, but it seems like if you uh, don't have Patrick Mahomes, you're in trouble. Thing, you're in trouble. The worst thing, buddy, is like Larry Zonka comes walking on the field, can barely walk, <laughs> and they're like, from the Super Bowl team 50 years ago, Larry Zonka. <laughs> like, see, that's, that's like a complete – and then it's the quarterback that beat the Dolphins in their last Super Bowl appearance in Joe Montana. So it's just – it's just – it's been so long, buddy. And so all this stuff and all this, this heat that I have for the Kansas City Chiefs, just pure jealousy because just you, you don't ever see an opportunity for Tua and the Dolphins to get the Super Bowl as long as another guy known as Patrick Mahomes is in the way. Yeah, if you're in the AFC or... You're hooped. You're done. Like AFC West. Done. Like, good luck. Ask Josh Allen. Yeah. Ask Josh Allen how that's going for him. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of you know we'll wrap it up, but a lot of comparisons to the good teams that didn't win when Tom Brady was winning Super Bowls, and yeah. and the great players who didn't win when Michael Jordan uh, was in the NBA as well. I saw a lot of that yesterday. But uh, here there was the loser Eminem commercial too, right? With Dan Marino, <laughs> an almost winner. Oh so yeah, I that, think I saw that actually. Dude, that's a third kick in the balls as a Dolphins fan. <laughs> I could believe he was doing those. Like owning it too, like he sold out, man. Like, holy cow! <laughs> owning the fact that yeah, he was the best QB to never win yeah. a Super Bowl, never won it, anyways, never got back. Well, anyways, Jamie, great talking. We'll do it again uh, sometime soon. Appreciate you it. You bet, buddy. All the best. Thank you. There is Jamie Thomas on Jamie Thomas TV on what is it X, formerly known as Twitter, Ground Control Podcast. Check that. We just had uh, Colby Barlow. Who's back scoring goals in the OHL? Well, big week in the CFL. CFL free agency kicking off tomorrow. No one I would rather have on talk about that. And I know Jeff's got thoughts on the halftime show as well. And we'll talk some Jets with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, stay tuned. We will be coming right back in with Jeff Hamilton. We are looking forward to next season. And of course, all of our Winnipeg Blue Bomber reports here on Winnipeg Sports Talk are brought to you by Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And now, welcoming Bomber fans to Princess Auto Stadium for next season's Winnipeg Blue Bomber year. Of course, a new 10-year deal announced earlier this year. Uh, a great local success story of a Winnipeg company getting behind the local team in, a, in the way that they uh, are. Of course, Princess Auto, in addition to being great sponsors of all of our sports teams here in the Peg and, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk, Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and visit them in-store on either Panet Road or Portage Avenue West at their two Winnipeg locations, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, I have to give a shout-out to the gang at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. As the snow melts and we get into spring, you'll see their fences and trucks all over the city. Um, but you might not know, they're also the Clopay dealer in Manitoba and have the largest selection of overhead garage doors for your home in town. But right now, 
as it is cold in the middle of the winter, this is the time that stresses your overhead garage door the most. And the right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. And that is Wallace and Wallace. And uh, hey, fellas, if you're looking into your closet and realize that it might be time to step up your menswear game, might I suggest a quick trip to take care of that down to see the gang at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street, Winnipeg and Manitoba's number one spot for menswear at great prices. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Great deals for 2024 high school grads. And if you're in a wedding party or getting married this year, make sure you talk to the gang down at F Apparel about a 15% discount when the entire wedding party gets their suits at F Apparel. They're again down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online and find out more or make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. When there's us, he's away in Mexico. He'll be back. Uh, I'm in here in the host chair. I was pretty nervous to start the show, but hey, we're talking about sports. This is fun. Big day, Super Bowl Monday, post Super Bowl Jets, big win. And we're gonna. I'm gonna talk about it with Connor. We're gonna share about the best way to score on an empty net. And uh, hey, I see 430 people in the chat. Shout out to everyone who's in here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you know, we're coming up on three years. Couldn't do it without all you guys. And if you are enjoying our content, please hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe button. It tells YouTube, hey, we we're putting out some good stuff and maybe it'll show it to more people and uh, bring some more viewers to the channel. But big week in the CFL. We had the negotiation period last week where, you know, you couldn't say they're signing. You just had to say expected to sign with. And then the big free agency kicks off tomorrow. And the Bombers have made some moves. And uh, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press, Jeff K. Hamilton on X, formerly known as Twitter. Jeff, what's going on? How's your weekend? My weekend was good, man. I, um, as I was telling you off camera, had a good, uh, good Sunday yesterday. Always a good Sunday when you can leave with more money in your wallet than you arrived. So my bets were well, were well received. And uh, what a game. I don't, uh, I don't have a team. You know, I don't really have any team, um, you, you know, even in the NFL. So I didn't really, I didn't have any stake in any of any sides. So I was, look, I was cheering like many people for a good one and it delivered, man. Can't complain. It's amazing. We've been so lucky with some really good Super Bowls over the last, uh, last 20 years. I think there was a stretch where the game like sucked all the time, but I mean, there's uh, everyone the Patriots were in was a field goal. Um, there were some other good ones like the, where was it? The sorry, the um, Steelers Cardinals one was had a crazy finish. So uh, we've been pretty blessed with good Super Bowls, thankfully, because everyone's tuning in. You want to turn in, tune in, and see some terrible, uh, terrible game. But uh, we haven't had you on, Jeff, since the Bombers had the big dual signings last week. You didn't think it was going to get done, or you thought it was very low odds. How did they get Oliveira and Schoen both under contract? I didn't think that they were going to get them both done because the bombers didn't think that they yeah. were both going to get done. And even my conversations with them afterwards, you know, I got a text message from, from Kyle Walters saying, you know, I would have probably pe pegged that at 10% of a chance of happening. And I think that was the feeling 
certainly in the certainly in the hours that led up to the the uh, you know the official signing of Brady Oliveira, and then obviously Dalton Schoen came shortly after that. Those two things weren't those were done kind of simultaneously. Like they were to, you know they were they were talking to Dalton Schoen while they were talking with with Brady, and uh, it, it really came down to numbers, right? I mean, um, the, both of those players, you know, well well deserved raises this year. Uh, both expected to, you know, especially Dalton Schoen, who went from playing the last two seasons on a on a super team friendly deal, close to min, you know, close to minimum salary as a, as a rookie, uh, hit to see his his salary jump to two thirty and even and uh, two hundred thirty thousand, and even Brady Oliveira, same price, and, and he was making about one sixty last year, or even less. So it's, um, you know, that that that's a big jump from that's a big jump for two players, and and I think it. You know, while the Bombers wanted both of them, desperately wanted both of them, I don't think that they felt that, you know, the dollars made much sense. And uh, a couple things did happen. Obviously, um, you know, I think we've heard it a few different times. I've heard it on national television. I've heard it on podcasts. I, you know, I've, I've written about it. I, you know, I think it's at a certain point in time as negotiations went on and you heard it from Brady Oliveira, who was admitted to playing kind of that, you know, that game, if you will, that you, you know, you, you, you ask for a high number and you accept something lower. Well, I don't think the Bombers thought he was going to accept anything lower. And then I think Wade Miller kind of came in and obviously Brady being a Winnipeg guy and what he brings to the team beyond just his, you know, his abilities on the field, you know, a lot of that promotion off the field, obviously being, you know, that Andrew Harris type kind of player with that kind of, uh, you know, cachet in the city. So I think, you know, those strings finally got pulled and they ultimately pulled off the impossible. Now, here's the thing. I think something that, you know, doesn't get talked about all that much. And, you know, it, it's something um, teams don't like to do uh, because they don't like to set necessarily a precedent in these things. But if you look at Chad Kelly's uh, contract, he signed obviously a big ticket contract last year. $100,000 of that each year goes to marketing money and marketing money doesn't count to the cap. Um, so I don't know exactly just how much marketing money are in these two deals, but once those details start to you know filter out, I'd be curious uh, to know what you know how much of that is is marketing money because you know the big issue, as I said, and as every you know every fan out there in, with hopes of signing both those players feared was that the Bombers wouldn't be able to fit those salaries under the salary cap. So I think you know a combination of certainly wanting these guys back, not wanting to see them on other teams, trying to find the money. Uh, it just created this whirlwind of about 10 hours uh, late Monday night and resulted in, in, in pretty two uh, amazing signings uh, Tuesday morning. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't seamless. But at the end of the day, the Bombers and, uh, you know, have their two two biggest weapons on offense outside of Zach Claris and that offensive line. And, uh, you know, I think these guys are ready to, to show up uh, under new deals, obviously, for 2024. Yeah, one thing about Dalton Schoen, you noted in your uh, column there at Winnipeg Free Press, no one really wanted to offer him the big money. 300,000. I mean, we saw Kenny Lawler get some huge money from Edmonton. Is there everyone tapped out in terms of salary? Cause I mean, he's been the best receiver in the league the last two years. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look, I think there's a couple of reasons to that. If you look at kind of the last few years, we saw Kenny Lawler, obviously jet for Edmonton in 2022, uh, you know, get that big, big, uh, big ticket price at 320 K. We saw Eugene Lewis get the same thing in Edmonton in 2023 when Kenny Lawler came back to Winnipeg and, you know, where's Edmonton finished the last two seasons? They finished at the bottom of the standings and not making the playoffs in a, in a league where six out of nine teams, you know, get a shot at competing for the great cup. And so I think teams kind of just realize that, 
you know, you need to be good with your money. I don't know why a Dalton Schoen wouldn't warrant that kind of money. Um, because, you know, you look at Eugene Lewis, you look at Kenny Lawler, the difference between those, uh, you know, between those two and, and Dalton Schoen is, is that height and that, you know, what a lot of GMs and head coaches perceive as that playmaking ability where if it's, you know, it's not, it, it's not such a 50-50 toss-up when you throw it up to two players and one's included like a Eugene Lewis or, or a Kenny Lawler. It's a little more 50-50 when, you, when it's Dalton Schoen, um, you know, not being as tall as Kenny Lawler and Eugene Lewis. The thing where, where Dalton Schoen is, has flexed his muscles in the CFL is his quick, incredible ability um, to pick up the nuances of the game, including the waggle where he doesn't need to have a 50-50 situation because he more often than not gets open. And so I don't know why, why teams don't covet that more or, or didn't covet that more in, in, you know, during this negotiation window. Now, mind you, you know, Dalton got $230,000 in Winnipeg. He could have got probably upwards of 260, 270 from somewhere else. He just, you know, and he said he, he, he didn't talk figures, but he did talk in his, you know, his availability shortly thereafter was, you know, he, he, for him specifically, the money that he was being offered in other places didn't make up um, what he was, you know, what he had in Winnipeg already. And that's obviously the culture here, that connection with, with Zach Kolaris, the, you know, being a factoring a big part of Winnipeg's offense. And so I think that uncertainty of being somewhere else playing under a different system, under a different offensive, you know, coordinator, um, you know, I think maybe the risk of not having that success certainly didn't outweigh maybe the $40,000 uh, that uh, that Dalton Schoen could have got elsewhere. Yeah, we know that what more marketing opportunities here he noted with Chris Trevler when he signed and also playoff bonuses as well with the Bombers going to the last three, three straight Grey Cups. I'm losing. Bombers? Four, four straight. straight. I'm losing track. I'm losing track. Uh, yeah, four straight. We talked about who's coming. Three straight where they were favorites. Oh, yes. There it is. Um, you know, we had that break there, so uh, maybe it jogged my memory. Um, we had a couple departures, though, along with the guys who are coming back. And I wanted you rank uh, which one of these is, departures is going to hurt the Bombers the most. Demario Houston is going to sign with Calgary. Demarcus Hardrick's going to Saskatchewan. And Jackson Jeffcoat, and it was announced on Friday that he's right. he's going to retire. So which one of these is going to hurt the Bombers the most? And how are they going to replace all these guys? Yeah, you mentioned there's also Ricky Walker, who is also yes. set to go to Calgary, who's maybe not as high profile, if, if you will, of those guys, but is like 26 or 27 years old and still has a lot of game left in him and, and did have five sacks last year. I think to answer your question, Remo, you really need to ask the question, you know, I think you alluded to this at the end, was how do you fill, how do you replace that role and who who takes over that role? And um, with that in mind, I'd have to say Jermarcus Hardrick. I mean, Jermarcus Hardrick, I think, will be felt the most because he was that bookend to, you know, obviously to Stanley Bryan. I think it was, what, six, seven seasons that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had Stanley Bryan protecting the quarterback to the left and, and Jermarcus Hardrick protecting the quarterback to the right, that was an embarrassment of riches. And these guys were, were known as like the perennial, you know, top two, uh, you know, tackles in the league. And they, you know, they just happened to be in Winnipeg. So to lose that and to lose that to Saskatchewan and then have to replace somebody there right now. I mean, Drew Richmond's a guy that I think got a lot of attention uh, in recent days or weeks here when he announced, you know, what seemed like surprising retirement with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers after spending three years in Winnipeg and kind of, 
you know, battling injuries. He battled injuries through the first two, but was kind of viewed as the guy next up in that offensive line on that tackle side. The Bombers knew that was a possibility. They knew that, that Drew Richmond may not pursue football this season, so it didn't come as a complete shock. Is it disappointing? Probably. I mean, it, it can't not be, but it will be interesting to see where the Bombers go to fit that spot. I, I don't think there's a lot of – there's. I think there's a, might be a couple experienced tackles out there. Uh, they might go after uh, or they consider – that also has to – just you know, money – is very much uh, you know a factor in whether or not they can do that. They're certainly not going out and signing you know a two hundred thousand dollar right tackle to replace a guy who they would have paid that much money or would have probably paid a little bit more if they had that to match what uh, the two thirty five he got in Saskatchewan. So they're not in that situation. So it'll be interesting to see who they can put at that right tackle right tackle position. But that being said, Remo, I mean you know you talk about the bookends and, and let's just throw Jackson Jeffcoat kind of in there. He might just be a close second. It's uh, you know, I think a lot of fans were, were certainly disappointed, probably even a little bit shocked that he well, he's announcing his retirement at 33 years old. If we know anything about Jackson Jeffcoat, it's that he's a bruising defensive end who, you know, was a terror for for quarterbacks, uh, you know, coming off the edge and was particularly good in playoff games. Um, but he was also really well known for for his injuries. And if you look at his games played, you know, it doesn't really reflect that. Like if, even if you look at last season, I think he's he's he has 16 of 18 regular season games and if you're looking just strictly on that number that doesn't look all that bad but I think he was dealing with injuries every week wasn't always available for practice and you know maybe the maybe the Blue Bombers looked at a Jackson Jeffcoat and thought let's you know let's maybe get rid of him a year too early or move on from him a year too early than a year too late and I know fans aren't going to like to hear that I'm a little surprised that that uh, he could, he didn't find a home elsewhere, or didn't get the get, didn't get the dollar figure that to him warranted putting his body on the line and you know his his physical health at stake another season. So you know it's a disappointing end, and it's a bit of a disappointing end with the Bombers too. I mean, if you read Paul Friesen's article, it was a great get for Paul, who who you know talked to Jackson and allowed him to lay it out. Uh, and, you know, his situation, he, you know, the Bombers didn't get a hold of him. Like they, like they, or they, or they waited really, really late close to this negotiation window that it made no much, didn't make much sense for him to negotiate or didn't, didn't make any, didn't make him certainly feel like he was wanted back. And so I think, you know, that those, those few days clearly were not good for him. And, and, you know, he wanted more and felt disrespected when, you know, I think, with a little bit more attention to detail on the Bombers' side, they could be celebrating Jackson Jeffcoat and all the all the contributions that he's made. I'm still sure they'll do that. I just think it's got a little bit of a gray cloud over it with Jackson Jeffcoat ultimately revealing his feelings and how he felt disrespected on his way out after such a great tenure in winter. Yeah, is there anything to read in that? Because it seemed like something similar happened with Andrew Harris, and these are players that yeah. gave a lot to the organization that were huge parts of championship teams, and... Like, why not just give a heads up and say, hey, you know what, we're thinking about going in another direction? Yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer for yeah. you, Remo, and I, and I agree with you 100%. I, I have no idea why you can't pick the phone up and call a guy who's, you know, whether it was Andrew Harris or, or Jackson Jeffcoat and say, look, you know, we really appreciated your, you know, your, your time here. Um, you know, we'd love to have you back, but the numbers just don't work out and just be, be straight up with them. I mean, you, you hear it in all leagues. T players just want to know where they stand, right? They want to know where they're at. And even in those times where, where, where it might not be good news or you might not, might not be viewed as highly as you, as you once were, and that's tough to swallow, you always appreciate the honesty um, that comes with, being told where you stand, you know, at any given time. And and this, you know, whether it was Andrew Harris or Jackson Jeffcoat this time, I think it was just a, 
a situation and I'm speculating here, but how else do you explain it? Where, where, you know, Kyle Walters probably just didn't want to have a, an awkward conversation with a guy to tell him that he wasn't going to be back. Didn't want to be the bearer of bad news, but you know, sometimes the bearer of no news uh, is, is just as bad. So I think, you know, I, I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, call it an issue or a, you know, a, a reoccurring issue. I, I don't know that to be true. We, you know, we have the Harris example and we have the, the, uh, you know, the Jeff code example, but um, those are two pretty significant players on the roster uh, that have done a lot for this team. And to think that, that they didn't get the send off that they, that they, you know, truly deserve makes you question, you know, maybe you know, how many others have felt the same. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, unfortunate that, you know, Jeff Co played here for six years, you know, Harris both leaving with kind of a, a bad taste in the mouth. Even if you saw you know, them, you know, their time here coming to an end, uh, we did have some other signings. Uh, Brandon Alexander, he's back. Jane Goche, that was announced, I think, today. Uh, he's back as well. One situation yep. that still hasn't been solved is kicking. What's up with Sergio Castillo? Are we going to see him return for another season with the blue and gold? Uh, I do think he'll be back. Um, you know, I... I I tweeted out last week that the Bombers were close with Brandon Alexander and, and they were close. And as you mentioned, Remo, they, they were able to, to ink him to a deal. And then I also mentioned in that, um, in that same tweet that there was still work to be done, but I believe that, you know, it was getting closer to Sergio Castillo side. I do think Sergio Castillo ends up in Winnipeg next year. Um, as is the case with every contract negotiation, I can just assume it probably has to do with money and talking out some of the details and, you know, because Sergio Castillo is a, is, a, is a reputable kicker, right, in this league, and he wants what he's worth. Every player wants what he's worth, but, you know, how much opportunity is there? Anyways, you know, I think that negotiation gets figured out. I think, you know, Sergio Castillo comes back to Winnipeg. That's where my betting would be. Um, there are some other guys out there that, you know, I think people are interested in knowing about. You know, look at, uh, you know, if you look at the offensive line, Jeff Gray, obviously a Winnipeg native. It doesn't look like he's going to get re-signed. I think Liam Dobson and Tui Eli – uh, the Bombers are going to lean on lean on those two guys to take bigger roles. I don't know what it looks like for Rashid Bailey and uh, his return to to the offense. Obviously, with Dalton Schoen getting that massive you know pay raise, I don't even know if there's enough money left over to pay the modest salary that Rashid Bailey took last season. As we you know it was well reported, he took a massive pay cut. So I don't even know if the Bombers have enough money to give him that contract. I'm sure he wants a little bit more on that, and I'm sure he could get a little bit more. Uh, than what he was making with another team. So we'll see what the future is with him. You never know. Maybe the the, the Bombers bring him back. Rashid Bailey is certainly a guy that, uh, you know, you, you uh, does kind of the thankless work in the trenches. Is a big, you know, is a big, you know, obviously has skill, but is a, is a big part of that run game and blocking, much like Drew Wolitarski's leaned on to do. So um, there's him. And then there's another name that's often, I'm, I'm often asked about, whether it's, uh, you know, Winston Rose. So I think, I think when we saw, him not, uh, you know, make the the Grey Cup roster, the West Final, uh, the playoff roster, I guess, here. I, I think that was the writing on the wall that he's not coming back. I think they're happy with, um, you know, uh, Jamal Parker making, you know, taking that next step. And and then there's another guy named Tyreek McGee. He's a guy who's, he's 26 years old. He was a guy the Bombers were high on in training camp last year, but he got injured. I think he came back to Winnipeg, spent some time with the Bombers throughout the year. I know he'll, he probably, if you, you know, I had to describe it, has the inside track for one of those corner spots. And then of course, Janarian Grant in the return game. 
I don't know what the situation with Janarian Grant is at this point. Um, I don't, you know, I think the Bombers are interested in having him back. I don't know, you know, where his head's at. I, I, and when I say that, I, I just don't know. I, I don't think that he wants to go elsewhere. But I do think that that one wouldn't take a lot of work, uh, you know, once the talks get going. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not as confident for sure as a, as a Janarian Grant coming back as I am for Sergio Castillo, but I do think the door is still open for there and, and potentially Janarian Grant could be back as the returner for the Bombers. Yeah. I mean, we saw that, you know, how ineffective their return game was without him. That would, I think be a huge loss for the Bombers. I have to ask you about your conversation with the quarterback, Zach Claris. Uh, what is he, how is he feeling about uh, the O-line? But more importantly, you did have some quotes about his experience. And this is what we're all wanting to hear about in his box, in the suite with Taylor Swift and Jason Kel- Kelsey. So any any insight you want to add on on that? So, as- yeah, yeah, sure. So I did talk to him about it. I got him on the phone last week and I said, hey, man, I'm calling for football, but I need to pick your brain about what, you know, you going back and forth on camera. You created quite the stir, uh, you know, online. And, you know, when people saw you and your name was being tossed out there, uh, I'll first address Zach's feeling about the team. Obviously, he's really happy with getting guys like Dalton Schoen back, you know, his, you know one of his favorite targets. Uh, certainly having Brady Oliveira in the in you know back is going to help the offense, and so he's incredibly happy about that. I you know I do know that that Zach's disappointed about the Jamarcus Hardrick losing him. Um, you know that's you know he felt he felt that one pretty badly, uh, and and why wouldn't he? I mean that's you know that's his right side there. So um, you know I think uh, I, I uh, moving on to the Taylor Swift stuff. So I did ask him about it. It's pretty funny too because you kind of need to know you know, know Zach and just kind of how unassuming he is. Like he's just, he's a really down to earth guy that doesn't pay a lot of attention to like the latest gossips, you know, like he, he's just a very, I don't want to say quiet, but, or reserved, but he is a bit of both of those things. He kind of just sticks to his family and, you know, and he's very, you know, he's just, he's just a really humble guy. So talking to him, like he didn't even know how, he didn't even know how famous Taylor Swift was. Until Kel- until Travis started dating her, like he he knew who Taylor Swift was, but he didn't know like the Swift mania across like you know being one of the most recognizable, if not the most recognizable artists right now, and 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 just you know we all know that he's really really close friends with the Kelseys, so he you know Travis wanted him to be at the game, he wanted to see Travis. That's all really wanted to 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 do is to meet to see either Travis before or after the game and he's incredibly good friends with Jason Kelsey so they went together and they didn't even really know that they were going to get into that box they were going to play the old game as he as he referred to it as where they get them in the nosebleeds and if they got to sit outside they were more than happy to do that but maybe they could work something out uh, you know if a box had an open seat or an availability or whatever and then he thought he was going to a different box that was being um, hosted by I believe his former agent and Travis's current agent uh, and then he ended up at the Taylor Swift, at the one with Taylor Swift in it. And he said that, you know, he, he didn't really realize it until there was about seven or eight bodyguards that showed up. And, you know, he met uh, him and Jason met Taylor right away. She introduced herself. He said she was super nice, super kind, spent a lot of the of the game, you know, literally moving and bending and adjusting for the number of photos that were requested of her. But uh, I did what I did find funny was like and like Zach's not just like good friends with the Kelsey's. He's like best friends with the Kelsey's. 
like he talks to them on group chats like every day like he you know I asked him if he listens to their podcast and he goes no like I hear that kind of stuff like every single day it almost sounds like you know deja vu to him in some ways so you know I, I think it's funny that like you know because he's so close friends with Jason and he was so marveled at how the Bills fans just adored him and knew who he was like he didn't even really know that Jason Kelsey was like as popular as he is had no idea he was named whatever people's sexiest man alive or something like that this past year or whatever I was none the wiser of that but he did mention that you know when when Kelsey came or Jason came back and like didn't know if he if he rubbed the the Bills fans the wrong way because he just got a massively big heart he didn't, you know when in reality the Bills fans were adoring him you know I think Zach was quick to say I think you made those guys you know, I think it made those guys lives in that moment and, and then encouraged him to keep his shirt off as he was debating on putting his tarp back on. So that's about as much as the inside information I have from Zach. But, I, you know, I think he had a blast and, and certainly didn't understand all the hoopla that was created out of it. And, and, uh, and you know, wasn't, didn't want to be the center of attention, obviously. Yeah, we all loved it. I mean, the CFL is tweeting out the picture of him in the, in the suite. Uh, I was on the broadcast. It was awesome. You know, maybe you can put a word in. Tell Zach to get Jason to come and experience a, a bomber sellout. Hey dude, so I, I yeah. sent I sent them I sent them a message saying if you guys don't get Jason Kelsey to a game next year, yeah. what a massively missed opportunity that is. And from what I understand, there is a and and damn right there should be. There's an open invite for Jason Kelsey to attend any bomber game that he that he sees fit. And I and how incredible would it be to have you know him in Winnipeg? you know, in, in a suite doing whatever, maybe not the exact same mm-hmm. thing he was doing, you know, in, in Buffalo, but, but still representing. I think the odds go way up uh, by the fact that, you know, not just that he's such close friends with Zach, but also because he's now retired and will have, well, you know, doesn't have to deal with the, uh, you know, the grind of an off season and, and getting ready for another, another NFL season. Yeah. I mean, if they're as close as you say, and they have this new platform that they seem to be going with, I saw people on Twitter joking, like he needs to do a diners, drive-ins and dives style travel show where he experiences football culture. You know, you did the bills and, you know, maybe you mm-hmm. filmed it for some movie. Hey, here's me with my boy, uh, Zach Claris. And I have CFL. a feeling the opportunities for him will not yeah. be uh, dried up after he leaves the NFL. <laughs> no, no. So, uh, so that was, I mean, Hey, that is the stuff, Jeff, that I want to hear from you. I see people in the chat saying, this is awesome. We need to get the Swifties. In here, yeah, here. I was just picturing like Jason Kelsey at the Rum Hut or something, you know, just like just, I don't know, it'd be next level. It'd be a legendary moment for the for the city for sure. Maybe that's uh, I don't know what that says about us, but uh, I I do know it would bring a lot of attention for sure. For sure, and uh, you know, move off uh, of the actually here one more question about free. Are there any teams that have really improved or gotten worse in free agency? Like when you look at what the whatever the odds are going to be for the Grey Cup, and the Bombers still have to be. I think they're still the favorite, right? Like, is, like, how would you, how is it shaken out here as we approach the real free agency uh, tomorrow? Well, I will preface this by saying, um, winning free agency never or rarely, you know, results in winning the Grey Cup. Uh, we've seen that lots over the years, particularly, you know, the Ottawa Red Blacks two years ago, Lapo's yes. first year. I, you know, it was it was like one of the or second year or whatever one of those years it was like they bought a new team and and it was just you know i think they were being heavily celebrated and you know not to pump my own tires but i i said both those years i just didn't think that 
I didn't think that Ottawa was going to make the playoffs in either of those seasons. And sure enough, they didn't. And I bring that up not to add salt to the wound of, of Paul Apolis's tenure in Ottawa, but to, to say that I wrote last week that I think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are in a similar situation. I think they went out and, you know, signed, signed a lot of big names, obviously Jamarcus Hardrick, um, you know, Thurman, Jameer Thurman is another guy they signed. Um, you know, they, they went out and, and, and AJ let, they signed two running back out of Toronto, another, you know, a great, a great, a great back that certainly the bombers would have probably were eyeing, uh, if, if Brady, Brady didn't work out, um, just given, you know, his style of play is very similar to Brady Oliveira's just that bruising style. I just, I don't know. I just don't really see that being enough for them. Um, and just with Corey Mace, while well, you know, while well, the hiring of, of Corey Mace has been celebrated and, and, Rightfully so, you know. I think he's going to bring in and establish, uh, you know, a, a much needed, you know, culture reality check in, in Saskatchewan. I just think it's not going to happen in year one, and and you know, I liken that to, you know, when when uh, head coach Mike O'Shea took over in Winnipeg. Obviously, it took him three seasons to really have a winning year. He was twelve and twenty four through his first two years. So I'm I'm kind of thinking that Regina or Saskatchewan will be the same way, and I, I just I'm not buying into some of those those off season moves that they've made. And uh, another team, you know, Toronto. I mean, if you look at Toronto, the thing about Toronto is they have such an incredible eye for identifying talent. You know, John Murphy, a guy who who you know had a ton of a ton of uh, you know. Um, bad press against him years ago when he got in those alterca- altercations uh, after the East final, like years and years of 2019, I think this was pre COVID. It would have been cause it was like with fans and stuff. And he got kind of blackballed from the, from the CFL and he's quietly made his way back there and has been for all intents and purposes is, um, is the GM like you know he's the one that's finding the talent his staff is finding the talent you know pinball Clemens is the face but it's that stuff that's going on behind behind the scenes that to my point is Toronto's really good at finding that talent and then and then um you know like we've seen in this this last few weeks this max exodus of players um so I think Toronto I'm really curious I don't think they're going to be in tough per se uh, I do think Ryan Dinwiddie's a good coach, and like I said, I think they tell, they evaluate talent well. But to see some of the names, some of the big names walk out that door, you know, Darius Pickett, AJ Ouellette, Hendricks, like the names go on and on and on. Key contributors on both sides of the ball. Um, I just think they're going to be in tough. I'm curious on what they're going to do in in, uh, in in you know when free agency opens on Tuesday if they add any of those names that are still lingering around. But um, I do know that they're good. They're good talent evaluators. But I do think those talent evaluators are going to be tested pretty hard this year. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens uh, tomorrow and see, you know, with the NFL ending, we're close to pitchers and catchers and reporting and close to CFL uh, kicking off. But just we'll wrap up this discussion, Jeff, with the Jets back on the wagon. Big win on Saturday. Um, you know, what do you make of the, you know, the finally uh, breaking this losing streak and, uh, moving Nikolai Ehlers there to the top line with Shifley and Connor. Yeah, I think that was the move that fans were hoping for, were screaming for. I think um, it's interesting that they haven't, or I don't know if they will, but reunited that line when Kyle Connor was out, right? You know, having Velarde on that line. But, you know, if you saw some of the way that Rick Bonus treated Velarde in the last couple of games and his ice time, maybe he hasn't warranted that promotion. 
Um, you know, I think it was obviously a step in the right direction. The, the, the Jets were bleeding. They, you know, they, they had lost games going into the break. They had started to lose games coming out of it. Uh, this is the time of the season where things ramp up. Teams are jockeying for position in the playoffs. They just seem to matter more, even though the points are the same amount each, each game. It's just the intensity ramps up. So the Jets had to stop the bleeding. I think there were certainly moments in there where, you know, some of those old habits seem to creep into their game where they didn't look as structurally sound as we've seen them in previous months. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck and, and, you know, bailing the Jets out in different times in the game, that result could have been much different. You know, that second period, you know, all, you know, I, I think that was pretty much, you know, they survived that period. So I, you know, I, I, again, it's, it's, things are only going to get tougher. Uh, it, it was a good, it was obviously a good thing for the Jets to stop it. Now it's about, you know, re, you know, finding that magic, trying to find that chemistry, trying to get back into being, you know, doing and having that confidence that you had for much of the year. And they know they have it. They just need to figure out, find it, be more consistent with it. And um, I think that's to come. Obviously, I think a big problem, and you were talking about this with Jamie before, is is that second line and trying to find an answer to that second line. Sean Monaghan, I do think, is a great pickup for the Winnipeg Jets. I think he does bring, you know, that structure, that sound structure, that that high hockey IQ, it's going to take him some time to adjust to that second line. But I think what needs to happen on this team is that second line needs to get to a place with Rick Bonus, uh, whether it's trust factor, whatever you want to, whatever you want to refer to it as, that needs to get that needs to get stronger within Rick Bonus so that the third line isn't eclipsing the second line in ice time the reason why the third line you can say that the third line yeah that's the team's checking line that's the team that you know on nights where they go up against you know a dominant number one line they like to have that third line out there well the jets would like to have that second line battling the other teams you know top or second line too they just haven't proven that they can do it you know i think they want to you know rick bonus wants to read you know get some of those minutes to cole perfetti and 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 guys on that second line i just don't think that they're warranting it right now and that's got to be the biggest you know, it's not all on them. Obviously, the Jets have had, had a tough time on, you know, special teams and scoring goals. And five-on-five five is creeping, you know, those in, inconsistencies in five-on-five five are creeping in. But I do think that it starts with just getting some more jam chemistry on that second line. If they can get that done, this is a pretty dangerous team. And, and uh, you know, I don't see why they can't bounce back. Yeah, and we've seen the Jets struggle to score lately. Uh, the power play been a problem all season. You know, we've talked so much, especially when you're on um, – but, you know, bringing in a defenseman, you think they look to bring in some kind of forward who can help with scoring? Or is this just like a, a bit of a slump? Because they were pretty up there in goals when they were playing so well uh, back in what, December, January during that winning streak. Yeah, even if they were even if they were scoring at a, at a, fa- you know, at a better clip than they are right now, I still think the Winnipeg Jets... Would, would, would be going out there and signing players. I, you know, I, I still think there's certainly going to be an effort. I mean, they've dealt with injuries over these last, you know, six weeks, two months. They've dealt with injuries all year, but they've dealt with it, you know, a few at a time and they saw their play dip. You can't, their injuries are going to happen in the playoffs. You need to have depth in place to, you know, to fill in those holes. So, you know, we start, you, you start talking about what the roster is going to look like. You want to go back to the 2018, you know, that, that run to the Western Western final. I mean, that had a, th- a third line with Brian Little as its center. Like, you know, that's how deep you have to be, you know, to to get through those rounds. And so, I, I, while I think you know some of the the depth, if you will, with this team has been celebrated throughout the first half of the season, 
you know, talk, you know, we saw guys like Axel Janssen, Fialbi, you know, step up in, you know, big moments. We've seen Morgan Barron play well. We've seen, you know, guys on that fourth line take their turns to, you know, be in the spotlight, if you will. Tony Nato is another guy who played well for a few weeks. And, you know, you just need that consistency up and down the lineup. And, and for that reason, I think you need to bring experienced players in. You need to bring in guys that are going to provide that depth. You know, I do think that the Jets are still very much looking for, you know, a, a top nine forward. I, I, you know, I'm certain that they're, they're, still looking to add to their their blue line again just bringing in more experience guys that you know that, that that they can fill in whether you know get into a starting role or be that depth so that when they when they do hit the playoffs you know they, they have the bodies they have that ability because we've seen this team if they go through you know a key injury um you know some of those dominoes continue to fall and they you know they, they, they have the risk of, of of falling apart so the more you know the more players you have the better players you have i mean it's obvious but you know what's interesting is i think with the way the jets were playing I don't know what effect them winning one in, one in their last six games is going to have on the players wanting to come to Winnipeg. You know, I looked at some articles that have come out in recent weeks. They've talk, talked about the top five, you know, favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year, and the Winnipeg Jets are not on a ton of those lists right now. And um, it's probably obviously due to some of their play in recent weeks. So I do think that the Jets are still looking. I do think they'll still add before the deadline. I think they have to add before the deadline if they want to have a serious run come the spring. Huge win streak, but they haven't looked like uh, the top team in the league like they were with the start of January for a bit now. Um, so we'll have to see how the, you know they rebound going forward. You hope the goal scorer comes back. The power play they need to get figured out if they want to go anywhere, and it just hasn't happened this year. But Jeff, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have you on talking CFL. We'll see what news we have next week, and you know we're counting down to the trade deadline less than a month away. So appreciate you. Coming on, as always, I love hearing your takes on the CFL and the Jets. Uh, Thanks again, Jeff. Thanks, Remo. You're doing a heck of a job, man. Uh, you know, it's uh, he Huss heads out there for beach and sun far too often, and you uh, <laughs> you continue to bring it. Uh, you continue to bring it each time. So thanks for having me on. Shout out to the uh, to the viewers. You guys know you make the show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thank, there he is. Thanks again, uh, Jeff K. Hamilton on X, formerly known as Twitter. Appreciate him. As always, coming on the show, and yes, Hessler is away. Uh, for, I think this is like the freedom we mentioned goes all the way all the time. I think this is like the first time for an extended period during the hockey season. Usually it's the, in the summer when there's nothing much going on in terms of news. So we're here. Big, big Super Monday with the Super Bowl recap and the Jets win, and they're practicing ahead of Wednesday's big Valentine's Day showdown with the San Jose Sharks. And we'll hear... Some comments from Rick Bonus and uh, talk more with Connor Rabcheck. I teased it all day. Uh, the best way to score an empty net goal. Uh, that that discussion's coming, and I'll hear Connor's thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show, which I didn't even get to share mine. But here's Hustler, and I'll uh, be right back in a sec. We have to give a big cheers from Winnipeg Sports Talk to our friends at Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer company featuring their flagship 1919 and their newest generic lager. My personal favorite, a 4-5 domestic-style beer brewed locally, fresh and crisp to the taste. And listen, generic right now, not only can you find it along with 1919 on your next trip to Canada Life Centre up in Craft Beer Corner in Section 310 in the Upper Bowl or 126 in the Lower Bowl, 
You'll also find it at your local beer store in Manitoba Liquor Marts at a great low price of $19.99 for an eight-pack of Tall Boys. If you haven't tried generic lager yet, try local. I'm sure you will enjoy it. And uh, maybe the best place to check it out, along with all of the Little Brown Jug offerings, is down at their brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can also find out more on Little Brown Jug ordering and local delivery options, along with their great merchandise online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, every sports fan in Winnipeg pretty much knows that if you're in the market for some new Jets merch or bomber gear or your favorite team from another league, there's only one place you need to go, and that, of course, is the Royal Sports Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway, 40,000 square feet of the biggest inventory you'll find anywhere featuring all the home teams and the top teams from all of your favorite leagues and whatnot around the world. But it's not just great fan merchandise at Royal Sports. Take advantage of winter or what's left of it with their incredible hockey section, skates both for high-end players as well as recreational skaters, not to mention snowboards, boots, bindings, and all the cool stuff on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. You've got to see it to believe it for yourself. Head on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway and make sure to follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, hey, big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. If you're thinking about gathering with your friends for the big game, uh, there's nowhere better to do it than your local BP. You know you'll have the game on the massive screens in Boston Pizza. Uh, the sound from the commentators up on the uh, on the sound system. And most importantly and most popular, win or lose, you'll be enjoying ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and great Boston pizza hospitality. And heck, seven days a week, if you can't make it out to your local BP, you can always order online and get it hot and fast to your door by ordering at bostonpizza.com. Yeah, there's Hess. He'll be back. You know, he's out celebrating the Chiefs win. Check him out on uh, on Twitter slash X at Hustlerama. Uh, well, time to bring back Connor Rabchak. He's been busy getting some clips from today's uh, Jets practice. Connor, how you doing? I know it's been a tough one for you with the 49ers losing. Check out. Check out uh, today's Jets Weekly. Connor recorded it before the Super Bowl. It was like, yeah, I'm wearing a 49ers shirt. Hopefully. This doesn't age poorly. Yeah. And then I was going to take it out, Connor. But then I just started laughing, really. No offense. Not laughing at you. Just laughing at the idea <laughs> of you being like, yeah, I hope this doesn't age poorly. And then and it was a close game. They lost in overtime. Like, what more, what more can you want, right? You could see it. You could see it in my eyes in the in the Jets Weekly, how excited I was for the Super Bowl. And I'm yes. like, hopefully this doesn't age poorly. And then you watch it this morning. And I'm like, wow, I used to be so happy back then. <laughs> I had so much optimism. I'm like, look at this guy. He's so excited to watch uh, this Super Bowl. And it was the most agonizing uh, uh, final quarter, I'm sure. Yeah. We, we did. Yeah. During that conversation with Jeff, we did have... Uh, some Jets news. Um, here to share the latest from uh, Winnipeg Jets PR. So, yeah, Dominic Toninato clears waivers. We we brought that up at the start of the program. He's now on the Manitoba Moose. David Gustafson is the one being activated off of IR, but they're actually going to loan him to the Manitoba Moose on a conditioning stint. So he'll still count against the Jets' salary cap, uh, but he gets two weeks down in the AHL to get his 
his legs back, his hands back. Um, and the Moose, they've kind of struggled this year, but they've turned it around as of late. They've won a few games on the road. So an injection of talent for sure, um, getting Gustafson and uh, Toninato at the same time. Um, Gustafson at least for the next two weeks, but I don't hate it. Go uh, go, get your legs right, get your hands right, and uh, come back up when he's fully healthy and up to speed. Yeah, the Jets have utilized this conditioning stint quite a bit this year, and I don't know if that's really like a thing um, that you've seen in hockey, the lat, you know, hockey lately. It's very common in baseball. Some guys do AAA on conditioning, but the Jets uh, loaning guys to the Moose, Villy. Uh, well, actually, he's got a two-way deal, but um, you know, they've done it with uh, some other players this year. It was Rasmus Kupari who came back from injury and. Uh, Daniel Fink, play by play voice of the Moose, tweeting out, you know, they got Tony Nato, uh, Gus is now loaned, Axel's been there, uh, the, they got Villy, 5 1 and 1 in their last seven. There you go. The Moose. So it helps when you get some quality players like that. But the Jets did speak to the media today. And here's Rick Bonus on putting. Tony Nato on waivers and Vili Hainala's AHL play. Well, we, we, it's, yeah, we have to make a spot there. Yeah. Yeah. Is he, yeah I assume he's just going to be an extra. Is he possibly going to the moose? That'll be discussed at some point. Okay. What uh, kind of reports have you been getting from Mark Morrison on how Billy's been playing since his ankle? Uh, uh, first of all, listen, that, that was a very serious injury that kid had. He, he's missed 40 games. Uh, is he back to where he was in training camp? No, he's not. And nor are we going to rush him. It would not be fair to the kid to bring him back up here. As much as we'd all love to see him, it would not be fair to the kid to bring him up until he's back to where he was in training camp in terms of skating. So it's a simple thing. I'll bring him up, give him right up. No, it's not. It's not fair to him. Uh, when he's back to skating and feeling the way he did what we saw in training camp, then that, that'll be a discussion we'll have at that, at that point. But to this point, I, he, I, all we're hearing is that, no, he is not skating like he did in September. And what's the biggest challenge? Yeah, there's Rick Bonus. Uh, I love that nickname, uh, The Kid, referring to Billy Hainala, who had that uh, broken ankle in training camp. Trying to get back to speed there with the Manitoba Moose. And as we move on, uh, Rick Bonus talked about, you know, they just ended this losing streak. Talked about the lessons they learned uh, during the five-game losing skid. Yeah, and it was. Just stay with our game. Stay regardless who we play, where we play. Uh, just play our game regardless of the score. Like, you've got to just, we know what we look like when we're successful. Uh, and now the difference from June this year and last year, we know the comparisons are to this year. They're not the way they used to play. So it's easier to fall back and get back on track. Uh, the five games, yeah, we, the biggest the biggest issue we had clearly was we weren't scoring any goals. It was it comes down to that. Now it, now it may simplify it in your minds, but okay, you, you go into Boston, you're two bad periods, we're down 2-1. We, we dominated the third period. We didn't score, so we could have won that game. So there, as long as you're giving yourselves a good fighting chance to win a game, um, then it goes back to just making sure you're playing the right way, our way. And um, so a little there's there's always harsh reminders during the course of the season to get back on track. And if you look at our last game, the harsh reminders get back on track after that bad second period, and we did. Yeah, scoring uh, the issue, they, I don't know if they solved it. They scored two goals. It was enough to win on Saturday versus Pittsburgh. I'm sure 
that are going to be expected to score more against Wednesday on San Jose. But we've seen crazy stuff with the San Jose goalies, James Reimer last year and Mackenzie Blackwood putting up top performances against the Winnipeg Jets. But San Jose will be without Tomas Hurdle. He's having a surgical procedure on his knee. And last one, we talked about the top line chemistry with Ehlers, Shifley, Connor. Rick Bonus expanded on that today. Well, he and Casey, it's a speed. They both play the game at a very high tempo. Mark's smart enough to read off of them. So, yeah. It, but even it, with it, Gabe, too, right? With Gabe. Well, with Gabe, again, was with Mark. Right? So, uh, there are smartest players. There are top offensive players. And when you put your top offensive players, you're hoping that they're going to create. Yeah. Um, we'd like to get the second line going. There's no question. Uh, but we have to give Mark and uh, uh, Sean a little more time. But we'll, we'll work it out. There he is. Head coach Rick Bonus from today's practice. Uh, shout out to the Jets for uh, putting that video out there. And Connor putting those clips together but we've been winding down the show i've been dying to give the hot takes okay and over the weekend we all saw senators leafs very heated rivalry heated game empty net goal ridley Grieg goes in on a breakaway winds up with a huge clapper into the back of the net uh, Morgan Riley doesn't like it, goes up, cross-checks Ridley Grieg in the head. Um, all right, Connor, who's wrong on this one? Who's wrong? Morgan Riley, for sure. <laughs> like, like I get it, Ridley Gregg, he, uh, he winds up for a slap shot, um, but fight him fair and square, like drop the gloves, give him a few shoves, don't cross-check him in the side of the head. Uh, that's my take. I, I think that's like the pretty obvious one. Um, in terms of the slap shot, um, if only the Leafs had a guy, I don't know, say like a Ryan Reeves, maybe people wouldn't be attempting things like this against them. But I guess they'll just be forever searching for that kind of player. So unfortunately for them, teams will uh, take slap shots into empty nets and uh, they'll lose their top defenseman for a handful of games because you can't cross check a guy on the side of the head. So you ever have you ever in a game put a slapper on a breakaway and empty net? You ever you ever do that in my in my beer league games? No, it's the um, same. It's we all know it's ne- the same. So it's fair to make the comparison. I, I do now know, though, if I do, I better keep my head up for, for someone to come and cross check me in the side of the head. Right. Because that's yeah. just the most disrespectful thing you can do. All right, I'm good. I've thought about this on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, what's your take? I've thought about it a lot, and I, you know, I'll say this. So re- let's just reiterate what happened. Ridley Grieg scored a goal on an empty net by taking a slap shot, and in response, Morgan Riley cross-checked him in the head. That's literally saying that feels stupid. <laughs> It feels really dumb. Everyone's talking about it. The panel seems to be siding with Morgan Riley on Sportsnet, surprise, which is crazy. Surprise. And how yeah. I should feel should be obvious. What side? Are you going to be on the side of the guy who scored the puck on the empty net or the guy who cross-checked the other player in the head? And, and I'm going to be honest, everything I've said in the past 
thinks that I should love Ridley Greig winding up to take a slapper. I've made fun of the code. I've been out in favor of baseball players celebrating home runs. I've made fun of Brian McCann blocking the base path to home plate. I laughed when the New Orleans Saints stuck it to the Falcons this season and scored a TD out of victory formation in a 48-17 win. I like when NFL players score a touchdown and flip into the end zone. I should love I should love Ridley Grieg doing this. I should think it's funny, but I can't help it. This is how I feel. I think it's juvenile. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's the equivalent of giving your opponent the middle finger. Um, he's an agitator. He's doing his job. It's not how I would personally conduct myself on the ice, but there are players in the league like this, and if you want to do that, that's fine. It's certainly within the rules. I mean, we're talking about scoring a goal into an empty net. It really shouldn't shouldn't matter. Um, I mean, it, like it's what it's whatever. But for Morgan Riley, the NHL, they're cracking down on hits to the head. They're trying to limit concussions. Uh, we've seen suspensions this week. Brendan Dillon, he got three games. Zadarov, three games. I'm okay with those guys getting suspended. I, I, we don't want to see players get injured, but. And I can totally see Morgan Riley being mad. I thought it was pretty, I think it's pretty disrespectful, even though that's, that sentence is really dumb, saying that, saying that. Um, but going up to a guy and cross-checking him in the head, um, you can't do that. That's a big no-no. And if you wanted to respond with a little face wash or going up to him and trash-talking him and, you know, calling him out after, um, I'm fine with I'm fine with that, but yeah, you can't cross check a guy, uh, a guy in the head. So I don't. I feel I I can't Connor. I can't help it that I that I'm not a fan of this, but uh, I think the times are changing. Obviously, the way you score an empty net goal is irrelevant, and obviously being offended sounds silly, but it just seems like such a big f. You and maybe you should love that. Maybe maybe you should love that. I, I, I don't. That's just not, not I did, what I would I do. I do love it. Okay, fair enough. I I do love it from Ridley Gregg. Like another thing I I will say before I get into that is he does need to expect like a little bit of something. Not a cross check to the head, obviously. Like that is ridiculous. Um, but he should definitely expect when he does something like that, Morgan Riley to come over, like maybe drop the gloves or yeah, like you said, give him a face wash. Should he be expecting a cross check to the side of the head? No. But at the same time, I love the slap shot into the empty net. It's it's like this is hockey. Like, don't lose. Don't give up an empty net goal. Then if you don't want to see me take wind up a slap shot in the crease um, to to end the game. Like, I, I love it. I it, it's I, it, I know it's like an emotional moment. Emotions are running high. Uh, Battle of Ontario. Uh, but again, He's got to expect something after that, not what happened, because obviously, like, Riley's going to get suspended for that. I'm not defending the action. I'm just saying, I I love the slap shot. I I, I love it, personally. I I actually hope that maybe it opens the door now and we see some more trick shots on uh, on empty net. Someone go do a lacrosse move. That would be great. I I hope next time someone has an empty net against the Leafs, they just go up to the the crease and just slowly let the puck in and then see. Well, is that okay? Maybe is that is a slap shot okay? Is is slowly trickling it into the net? Is that okay? I don't know. I see a comment from B. What does the code say? Is, yeah, B, everyone's <laughs> laughing. The code means people are are babies. Uh, B. A. Split says I loved it. It was entertainment. 
I kind of agree. Yeah. I'm loving all of it. Yeah. I think it is entertaining. We're here talking about it. Um, it's actually a really, you know, when you think about it, it is really dumb discussion. Be like, well, oh, he shot the puck in the empty net the wrong way. I'm going to cross check him in the head. Yeah. Like, seems <laughs> seems crazy. But at the same time, like, I, I get it. I think there is a way to conduct yourself and etiquette. But I think we're seeing that um, certainly smashed in, in other sports. So, uh, but the hearing... And for the record, I have Morgan Riley in one of uh, my fantasy leagues, so I hope he gets less mm-hmm. games. But uh, they're doing an in-person, an in-person hearing on this one on a play where Ridley Grieg, he wasn't even injured. He was back at practice today. And I'm going to be honest, like just going by what player safety has done in the past seems out of line. Um, we saw Jacob Truba swing a stick like a baseball bat at a player. He got a 5K fine. Ryan Hartman... Got a 5K fine for intentionally slashing Cole Perfetti in the face, cutting him and giving him stitches. I shared my thoughts on that on this program. And we should be thanking Ryan Hartman for his precision with the stick because it could have been so much worse. Um, And look, because it's an in-person, they can give him more uh, than five games because it's an in-person hearing. But I going to be honest, like, I think we've said this for a while. I, if he gets more than five games, I don't know how, you, I mean, I already don't know how you can take anything this Department of Player Safety they do seriously. Like, let's come up with some guidelines. Like, what are they, how are these guys coming up with these suspensions? Is George Peros just thinking off the top of his head? Do they have some criteria? Because I'm seeing so many videos on social media with similar plays getting one game or zero games. So I'm curious what it ends up as. I mean, they seem to go by the result rather than the action. Uh, they have punished cross checks to the head, but I I think it should be one or or two games. Or or I wouldn't shock me if it was a five k fine here. So I don't know what you're feeling no. about the games. I, I about the games, but I don't I, think I think player no safety. Way. I think they've I think they're a joke, and you don't know what it's going to be. So I'm not even going to speculate. I I can agree with you on that. I. Uh, there's no way he goes zero games and it's just a fine. I, I think that 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 has to go punished. You brought up the the Zadarov play. And I think you brought up the point of them also suspending or like taking into account the result. Yeah. The Zadorov play, he hits Lucas Raymond in the head, like open ice, shoulder to head, like exactly like the Brendan Dillon play. Like like pretty, pretty close. Like if you if you go back and watch it, it's pretty similar. Um Guy steps up to the blue line, hits him in the head, doesn't get much like body contact, um, and he gets two games. Brendan Dillon got three, but the Zadarov play, uh, Lucas Raymond was able to return to the game like 10 minutes later. So Nola Chari obviously suffered a concussion, and he's still out for the Penguins. So I think – and Zadarov has a suspension history. So it's it's there's all these things at play, and it just feels like they're just throwing darts at a dartboard and – Going, okay, well, this one landed on two games, so screw it. Um, I know we just handed out a three-game suspension for a guy with no history, but let's give this guy two games because it was the same action, but it he didn't hit him in the head as hard. Like I don't know what I don't know what their reasoning is. And this Morgan Riley play, I think it's blatant cross check to the head. I don't think that can go, you know, like oh like what's worse, the Brendan Dillon play or the Morgan Riley play? Yeah, the Brendan Dillon play, I'll say, at least it was a part of uh, a course of play. The Morgan Riley is after, but, I mean, Greek's, Greek's yeah. fine. Um, Cole Perfetti was fine after so. he got yeah. slashed in the face. So, And I, I thought using your stick as a weapon, uh, you couldn't do. So who knows? And a lot of people saying in chat, 
uh, bring up Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. And I, I enjoyed this from Eric Macromella. Uh, he's been a legal analyst on TSN Forbes. He's done a lot of radio hits, Edmonton Auto. I used to have him on as well. Someone asked him, is the Dale Hunter play used as precedence for this kind of incident? And he responds, a lawyer responding, saying, I don't know what serves as precedent. Lack of consistency. So we have no idea what they're going to do. No idea. Come up with some criteria. Come up with some consistency. Like, what are these guys doing? Um, disappointing. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm curious to see. And everyone, because it's the Leafs and because it's a big play, uh, holding their breath. And, I mean, he's the Leafs' best defense. The best defenseman. They're pretty screwed without him. They're going with Jake McCabe, uh, rock and power play one. So if you're looking for someone for fantasy... <laughs> To pick up, there you go. Maybe Jake McCabe is your guy. Although I went with uh, Darren Radish on Tampa, who's filling in for Sergachev, who got injured before. But that was way in in the chat, way in in the comments. What are you feeling about this Morgan Riley play? How many games and who's wrong? Because we all know Ridley Greek is the wrong one for for shooting the puck in the empty net the wrong way. Yes. I'm getting so fired up, I pulled out my headphones. <laughs> yeah, the slap shot is unacceptable. Next time he needs to slowly skate up to the edge of the, the goal line and slowly tap the puck in like he's making a putt. Should have done that. That's what he has to do. And and then maybe the cross check will just be to like his chest and not the head, you know? Like this the, these are the code, you know, you take these things into account, Remus. You gotta yeah. you you don't have your your updated uh code handbook or what were you saying months ago? You were saying you got your your code is in the mail. Oh, I had the code. code. You know, I made fun of yeah. you know, I should be loving yeah. this Ridley Greek thing. I should be thinking he's so funny and so awesome. I make fun of the code all the time. But um yeah. I don't know. I thought it was I mean, I guess it's like great we're talking about it, but like I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. So um, I don't know. Like I, I don't maybe because scoring on an empty net, like there's no goal there. But I mean, you're running into an end zone. Guys do flips all the time. So I think about like what's the difference? Like we're arguing about the stupidest thing here, and they just got so mad. Like the reaction. I can understand getting mad, but I think it's clear cross checking guys in the head uh, is a no no. So we'll see what happens. That'll be fun this week when the decision comes out. The hearing is tomorrow in person. So. You know, maybe it'll be, um, you know, more game. You know, a lot of games, but we'll wait and see. The Leafs are going to be screwed at defense. Without it, we're going to get into the cool bit lines before we wrap up. But uh, do want to give a reminder. Uh, we, hey, we got the Winnipeg Sports Talk newsletter. Uh, WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Scroll down to the bottom. We send out a weekly thing every week, detailing the top, you know, stories or the top inter- segments that you may have missed. So sign up for that. Also, uh, detailing contest. We're going to have AEW tickets to give away, but we're also giving away tickets to the Manitoba Moose. WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash contest. Enter to win the Manitoba Moose tickets. They're playing Saturday afternoon here and Monday afternoon, but I think we have, no, I don't think, I know we have tickets for Saturday's game uh, up for grabs on our website, and we will have more for the games later on in the month. Uh, there as well. So make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter and checking our website and staying in touch with all of our other social medias as well. We're on X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Sports Talk, WPG, same name uh, across all the all the platforms. So easy to remember. And 
couple games tonight, Connor. Couple games on the list. Uh, let's bring it up. Here we go. Kraken, Devils, Flames, Rangers, Coyotes, Flyers, Wild, and Vegas Golden Knights. Four games. Any leans on any of these? We've got the Kraken, slight underdogs to the Devils. They got Jack Hughes back. Uh, Rangers favored over the Flames. Flyers favored over Arizona. And the Golden Knights favored over Minnesota. You got a pick for today any I, ga- or a game that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah. Um, I, it's interesting because Friday we did the cool bet lines and there was a lot of big favorites. And this is not, I mean, you see the lines are a lot closer there. I do like the Devils with Jack Hughes back, like you said. Um, Vegas, they just came off that win against Edmonton. The Wilds, they beat the Penguins um, on on Friday night. Mm-hmm. But I do like Vegas as well. Um, they're, they're good at home. I mean, we know it's Vegas. Uh, William Carlson's back in the lineup for them too. So I don't mind that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, lost a lot of money on the 49ers. So maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> stay out of, uh, stay out of the, the NHL tonight. Connor's taking a night off, uh, yeah. heard, heard it here. Um, you know, I had the four hours <laughs> win. I did, I had, uh, some McCaffrey props, so I was okay. But all their other players, there you go. Yeah. If you're betting overs. You did not do well. Um, I'll give a, here, I'll give a. Give one. I like, uh, you know, if you want to pick a goal scorer in this game, Vegas, Minnesota, Ivan Barbashev, maybe a lower odds, plus 280, or Pablo Paul Cotter, plus 385, Cotter with Stone and Stevenson, and Barbashev is third wheel with Marcheseau and Nick Waugh. That Barbashev, Barbashev, Marcheseau, uh, Nick Waugh line has been very good for the last couple weeks here. So maybe one of those guys, if you want a bit of a longer shot, plus 280 for Barbershev, plus 385 uh, for Paul Cotter. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us as we uh, wrap up the show. i got to put this up on, on podcast. I guess a couple shout-outs. Uh, Nick Taylor winning the Waste Management right. Open. Uh, Canadian Nick Taylor, you may remember him for winning the Canadian Open. So uh, I don't know. Did you watch the Waste Management? Where do you land on this Waste Mandarin open. It seems like it's getting out of hand with all the drinking and well, partying there. Did you see that they had to like halt alcohol sales? I, don't, I, 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 I saw a tweet. I don't know. I thought I saw something on Saturday or maybe it was Sunday, but um, or maybe, I think it was Saturday where it was at like 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. And they had to like stop alcohol sales because so many people were like, blacking out puking passing out it was, it was like brutal yeah like it's it's getting way out of hand <laughs> i think it used to be like a fun thing but yeah it's getting serious i follow uh, shooter mcgavin on twitter you know the, <laughs> I do too. the villain and yeah. happy gilmore and he's having this is like content goldmine for him uh just tweeting out quotes from happy gilmore uh go back to your shanties and how am i supposed to chip here with that going on. So I'm curious what happens with the uh, waste or wasted management open uh, with all the all the drinking. I'm seeing shirtless guys doing belly flops through the grass. I mean, this is golf here we're talking about. This is golf. So I don't know how they're going to deal how they're going to deal with this. Uh, and another shout out to uh, Brad Jacobs and Reed Carruthers, uh, their team taking down the Manitoba 
uh, Manitoba Curling Championship. So they'll be representing Manitoba next month at the Briar in Regina. So we're getting down to curling season. So big shout out to them. Reed Carruthers has been on this show many times. And uh, Princess Auto, um, you know, big sponsor of them and big sponsor of us as well. So we're time to wrap up the show. This is it. Uh, we are on podcast if you miss any of it. And I did mention, you know, mention all of our social media. We do have a Discord server if you want to keep the conversation going. I'm seeing a lot of people uh, in our chat who like chatting there as well. So it's in the chat or uh, linked in the description of this video. Connor, thanks so much for coming on. I think you'll be back with me on Wednesday, correct? Yes. Well, yes. Thank you for having me on. It was fun filling in for Huss, even though. I, I don't want to fill in for him right now and knowing what, how he's feeling and how I'm feeling. But anyways, uh, yeah, I'll be back Wednesday and Friday. Um, I got class Tuesday, Thursday, but I'm confident in your abilities, Remo. Great work today, you know, doing behind the scenes work and hosting. That takes a lot. So doing everything. Go. I'm sweating buckets. You're going to have to change my shirt <laughs> after this one. Uh, Connor, yeah. Like and, Usher. Connor, fall <laughs> as a, yeah. Connor Rabchak one on X. Formerly known as Twitter. Oh, before I remember, um, I'm going to rate. I think Hacksaw is live right now. So if you want to get some, oh. I almost forgot this. If you want to get some more NFL talk and hear it from Hacksaw, uh, he I, should be live right now. Oh, let me just do it on the computer. Oh, I almost got to hear it. his Super Bowl takes and his halftime show takes. I'm sure. Oh, you know, thank you. Maybe he's a big me. Usher guy. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, okay, we never talked about the halftime show before. Okay, you're a bit younger than me. What did you think of the halftime show? So I thought it started slow. First couple songs, were I like we were all sitting there kind of going like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought it finished great. Like you had Ludacris come out and, and Alicia John. Keys was out there. Like yeah. Lil John, yeah. Turned down for what? Like I was, I was... I liked it. I liked the back half a lot. The first half, I was like, all right, let's pick up the pace here. Um, and I feel like he left a few of his bigger songs out. But I did like the second half mm. and uh, and getting Ludacris and Lil Jon out there. Yeah, okay. What did I'll you get, think? I agree. Take, I thought yeah. it started off slow. I didn't like how he started okay. on the field. I'm like, what is this? It's supposed to be a big halftime show. And it didn't <laughs> feel big to me. Uh, I didn't, didn't like that. But I like that. I agree. It picked up. You know, I actually didn't know a lot of the first couple of songs, you know, and I I run a pool for you know, some friends. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions is always, who's the first song? Well, other was this year's pick. There was like five options. Yeah. So that yeah. was, that wasn't great. Usher's got to look at the, at the betting and pick one that's being offered. It can't be other. Okay. And I, you know, I thought they went through some of the songs too quickly. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Usher's first album, My Way, and maybe it's too slow uh, for the Super Bowl halftime, he did play that one where he, where he took his shirt off. I mean, got a yeah. lot. It was, that was a great part of the set, but the best part. And, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say no sunglasses. Oh, I, that- I, uh, I brought the the Excel sheet, the prop bed sheet to my Super Bowl party as well. One of the things was, will he be wearing sunglasses? Mm-hmm. Everyone put down yes, because it's Usher. And he's going to be like, obviously, he's wearing sunglasses. And no sunglasses. It was shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I didn't, I didn't have that, didn't have that one, but um, yeah, as it went on, I liked I you know I like when they got on the stage. The roller skating was incredible. He was actually singing, mm-hmm. so we have to give props for that. What a talent, yeah, Usher, uh, sure. and yeah, bringing in the best part for me was bringing in uh, Ludacris 
for yeah and Lil John and Lil Chota Lil John was wearing the Golden Knights championship ring during that. Uh, so that I was a big fan of a big fan of Usher, but could have used I don't know, could have used more from the first album. I forget. So it was. I don't know if it was as good. Like I'm trying to think of the last four. If you want to rank them, the Dr. Dre one was the best one. Was Rihanna's Mm -hmm. better? And where does the weekend, uh, where does the weekend rank for you? So you got the the weekends. Yeah. Was my favorite of all the ones you, you mentioned there. I I'm a big fan of the weekend, but I I feel like that's a hot take. Like I read, they posted all the Super Bowl like uh, performances leading up to the Super Bowl on their Instagram. The NFL did. And the weekend's post, everyone was like, this was terrible. This was one of my least favorite. I was like, what? Like, that is, like I loved that one. And then, yeah, the one you said with Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar, that one was great as well. Um, that that Those two are above the latest two for me uh, with a pretty big gap. Like, Rihanna did great as well, but I just think those other two were fantastic. And then Usher, again, in the tier with Rihanna for me. Those two are kind of middling, and then the other two – Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar, The Weeknd are A-plus tier. Yeah, I'm curious what they're going to do. We did see Roger Goodell talking with Taylor Swift in the suite. Maybe he's trying to talk her into it. I think she's too big. Uh, You know, people do this for free for the promotion, and she doesn't need that promotion. A shout-out to Tristan Rivers. He gives a shout-out to H-E-R, who ripped that guitar solo. You need a guitar Mm. solo. Uh, Prince setting the record for uh, or setting the precedent for guitar solos in the halftime show and H.E.R. actually performed the anthem when she was 11 at a 49ers game and was at the halftime show uh, doing the guitar solo yesterday. And I liked when they brought it to the stage. I liked the roller skating. A lot of comparisons mm-hmm. to uh, the outfits to the uh, Globo Gym Purple Cobras from the movie Dodgeball, which I appreciated. That was the big joke on social media, so... Uh, that's here. Good. I'm glad we got our halftime takes in. Cause that's what we're all here for. So there it yeah. is. I've said it all <laughs> said enough. Moving on. Now give a shout out to Hacksaw. He's on talking about the Super Bowl as well. So thank you everyone who came in and came today. We'll have CFL free agency tomorrow and more Winnipeg Jets updates as well with Mike McIntyre. Uh, see ya. Oh my God. Oh! Oh! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.